welcome to Geek Fights. I'm Mike Ortiz, bringing you yet another one of our bonus episodes. This time up, it's another commentary track uh, that we recorded with the Soulless Minions of Orthodoxy. Um, we brought you Star Trek 3 before. This time we're bringing you Star Trek 2 uh, as part of our rewatch summer. Uh, this one's a little different, though. This is uh, what I like to call a nitpicker commentary. Uh, instead of singing the praises of the movie, uh, we're pretty much going to tear it apart. Uh, Star Trek II is one of the most beloved of all Star Trek movies. Uh, it is one of my favorite Star Trek movies, possibly my favorite. It might even be the best Star Trek movie of all time. Uh, we'll find out when we do best Star Trek movie uh, quite soon. But uh, even though it is a great movie... Uh, all great movies can be nitpicked. I mean, one of the points that I really wanted to make with this is, you know, when I hear a lot of criticisms of, of movies and TV shows and comic books and things like that, uh, while I don't doubt that the people who are criticizing them uh, don't care for uh, whatever the product is, uh, I find a lot of times the things that they're really focusing on are kind of, of trivial and and uh, not really uh, not really sort of important. And uh, when you choose to focus on those sorts of things, uh, you can really tear anything apart, even a great movie like Star Trek II. Um, so that was really the, the idea about this, is really to demonstrate a point to uh, all the people who, uh, who do this. Uh, certainly a lot of other uh, commentaries and reviews and, and certainly the Red Letter Media guys. Uh, if you want to, you can tear anything apart, even one of the best movies uh, I've ever seen. Um, a great movie, or really all movies are kind of a combination of, of their best and worst qualities. And even great movies have some, some bad qualities. They have, Star Trek II has, has kind of plot holes and, and serious logic holes and, and a lot of contrivances and conveniences that, uh, that exist to allow great things to happen. And that's really the difference between a great movie and a, and a mediocre movie or a bad movie. It's not, not the sum total of their bad things, but the sum total of the good things. Uh, and Star Trek II has a lot of good things, but uh, we spent two hours talking about the bad things. Now, this was uh, ho or actually originally posted as an episode of the Soulless Minions of Orthodoxy podcast uh, with, with uh, Josh Bradley. And I urge everyone to, uh, if, if you like this, to go check out the rest of their commentaries. They do great stuff. Uh, Damon and I have been on uh, this show several times. Um, we're actually going to be releasing a couple more, or at least one more, of their episodes in our feed uh, in the near future. And we, uh, we plan to do some, uh, some new ones in the future and certainly have Josh uh, on the show again, hopefully his brother as well. So uh, without further ado, I give you the nitpicker commentary. For Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, uh, as originally brought to you by the Soulless Minions of Orthodoxy, and now brought to you by Geek Fights. Paramount Pictures presents. Well, let's explain up front what we're doing here. Yeah, this is a a, a nitpickers uh, commentary because, uh, as Mike would argue all the time, the the arguments that people make against other Star Trek movies and lots of other movies in general, um, uh, you could make against Star Trek Two, and it would seem like a bad movie too, because uh, uh, Michael does it for Star Trek Three. 
uh, Star Trek Three comes up out as a bad movie when you use the logic that he puts down. So we're going to use his logic, well, some of it with Star Trek Two, mm-hmm. and see how it works yeah, out. I mean, this is a, the the basic idea is you can really tear apart any movie, and I love this movie. This is this maybe my favorite Star Trek movie. But uh, if you the the choice to go in and just sort of rip rip apart little things and ignore kind of the good things you can do with almost every movie, even great movies like this one. Um, so yeah, I mean, even though we're going to be kind of doing a little bit of a, a more serious version of Mystery Science Theater 3000, but also hopefully entertaining, uh, that, that's really kind of what we're doing here: is taking a look at something that we all think is great that we love, but we're still going to rip it apart. And this is your this is your baby. I mean, you've been wanting to do this. Yeah, for a long this was time. A, this is an idea I had, primarily because a lot of people would uh, would have like strange criticisms of other movies that really I thought were just kind of nitpicks and you know you you can do that with with this movie uh especially is there anything you like to nitpick about the starfield right now uh you know it was (laughs) actually the first time i saw the movie i was disappointed that uh we didn't get the jerry goldsmith theme from motion picture and i understand why Mm -hmm. uh but i always i always loved that i was like oh you know i kind of like that even though this is this is good music by uh james horner as we see his credit on screen yeah Yeah, i mean uh, i'd like to mention that before we actually get into the movie you can talk about the music i mean we went from Goldsmith to Horner. How do you think the the change went up, guys? Oh, for me, I think Horner was a much better choice. You think so? Movie. Well, you know, he had that kind of nautical theme. Even though Goldsmith is a better composer overall, I really liked the way I liked the the way this mu- this uh, movie sounded. In that way, I thought it was pretty. I mean, the, the battle scenes, especially. Yeah, the theme is not not as memorable. It's not as powerful. I guess I guess I have a problem with it because that 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 theme is extremely memorable for me but that's only because i worked in the uh, star trek the experience retail stores and if you were in the retail stores we had on a loop thanks to vernon wilmer uh all the star trek music just it just the non-audio so the ones that i liked i would hear it's actually kind of amazing it's the only time we see a reference to the date in the 23rd century which i love yeah spock's ear it's great nick meyer wanted to open that way uh-huh. I love the uh, the 24th century vector graphics. Oh, it's yeah. fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, isn't um, it great? And the fire the, extinguisher on the wall. And you notice the sign? It said no smoking. Yeah. It had a no smoking sign on the bridge. Okay. Now, I remember getting kind of freaked out by, holy shit. That's, that's, uh, that's, uh, again, some more lovely vector graphics. Now, okay, here's here's problem number one. What What is up with this neutral zone? A neutral zone is kind of a barrier between two areas. And this is just this region of space that's sort of round in the middle of nowhere. Uh, what is what is neutral about it? Well, you're not the only one who brings that up. I was actually listening to the audiobook of the Nitpicker's Guide to Star Trek, and they do mention this. They do mention it this. It really doesn't make any sense spatially. No, it doesn't. Uh, they mentioned that in the original series, it was set up as a neutral zone, with a barrier between the Romulans right. and the Federation, and that yep. using it as a Klingon, uh, you know, division between Federation and Klingon space, didn't make a whole lot of sense in this case. The way these vector graphics are displaying it, anyway, and the fact that she says "damn," was that yeah. emotional? Well, originally, wasn't she supposed to be a half Romulan, half Vulcan? But that got kind of uh, well, was yeah, left that, out. that got lost in the shuffle. Well, was but that actually she in? Cry at the end? Yeah, she does. But was that actually in their mindset when they filmed it? You know, was Nick Meyer saying it was in the novelization? Two minutes. Yeah. To well, the novelization so, was after the movie, right? 
but sometimes they're done off the original script. Okay. Well, I mean, I or meant like early draft of the script. I think at one point she was, and then they ditched it. But okay. some things still remain. Now I wonder would a better solution of the Kobayashi Maru be to say like, oh, uh, fuck it, we can't go in there and move on, and then you never get in the fight. Yeah. Well, I remember reading in a Star Trek novel or hearing about it that Chekhov, when he took the Kobayashi Maru, uh, actually self-destructed the ship because he said, well, you yeah. told me to blow the Klingons up, so I blew them up. And uh, and Scotty or transported uh, photon torpedoes at the axes of their Lynx shields because that was some engineering trick that... Uh, mm-hmm. That got made them take. Now, okay, now here's here's another problem. The Kobayashi Maru itself. All right. It is a a simulation. It is a test of some kind. And as we find out, it is a test of character. How you face death. But th- this is just a simulation. How is this really a test of character? If you don't, if you're not actually in a real situation, yeah. you won't take it I mean, seriously. Is this any different than playing a video game and losing? I mean, it's fake. You know, it's fake when you're going in, unless they do some weird mind implant on you. That's an so there's no point. test of character. This is just a fucking video game. Unless you, yeah, unless you realize that you're programmed that it's... to lose. Every every choice she made, lost. So it's not like it's really testing even how you think. It's, you fire, no effect. They shoot us, our, our things go down. You have thought about this a lot. You know, actually, yeah. I have not thought about that fact, but you're right, because you remember I, in the TNG I love episode. this. They designed oh, the simulator <laughs> so that there's a spotlight right behind the big door so that he can make an entrance. <laughs> so he can look like God, of course. Well, but, that's not the big door. That's the view screen. Oh, that's right. Right. Then, yeah, why, why is there a door there? Why don't they use the doors that are actually built into the back of the bridge? But you're absolutely right, Mike. I mean, she does know it's a test, but you remember in the TNG episode, what's it called, Coming of Age, when uh, Wesley takes the stress test. He didn't know that it was a test at the time. He knew there was a test coming, but when he was in that situation, he thought it was real. So that was a real test. Yeah, this is not every... I mean, if Kirk took this, that means every cadet going in here knows that they're going to lose. So what's the point of even taking the test? Yeah, so they're already going in with a kind of defeatist attitude. Yeah, and, and they're really in in the movie. Actually, in the um, in the novel you talked about, they do make a better sense of the test, and then it's not this test of character bullshit. It's to see what you come up with in this situation. And she comes up with. Raise shields, they shoot, our shields go down. Doesn't really t- try anything very uh, different. <coughs> Where, you know, everybody in the, the story, it was how do you handle this situation that you're going to lose, which is a little bit different than this how you face death sort of thing that's going on here. And, you know, here that ties into the themes of the movie, but it doesn't really make any sense as far as the test goes. Although they'll keep bringing up this no win scenario throughout the movie. Is in, in this continuity, you know, we have the new Star Trek. We have J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. In that continuity, Spock wrote the Kobayashi Maru. Is that the right. same in this case? Uh, they never indicate that. And it certainly didn't. I don't think they said that anywhere in the novel. Okay. Um, I always got the impression that Spock was in uh, Starfleet much longer than Kirk. Well, he is much older. We know that. And I always assumed he did, that he was. And uh, I don't think I don't think he is. I think Spot. I, I think they actually are much closer in age. Well, at, at this time with the official timelines that we have now, they are. But back when this movie came out, you know, the the unofficial you know canon was that he'd been in Starfleet for like twenty seven years before he got on the enter on the enter up twenty seven. But for at least since the beginning, which would be. With all of Captain Pike and all of Robert April, 
Robert April than Captain Pike. Yeah, but I'm just saying that that. So back when this movie came out, again, there's no real official canon at this point. This is just all the stuff that's that's been going on. But that was the basically a lot of other stories had kind of uh, implied that he was quite a bit older than Kirk, which which would make sense. Yeah, because Vulcans age differently. And you know, it's not. I mean, Kirk was a was supposedly a particularly young captain because he did something incredibly brave and daring when he was a lieutenant. You know, it was one of those sort of things. And he, he, he was just a kind of, he was a superstar, which is interesting because now this movie is about him feeling old, which strangely for me feels a little out of character even. I mean, this, well, everyone this is ages. the guy that in the last movie, um, you know, moved heaven and earth to get his fucking ship back. And now he's... Oh, you you take it, Spock. You take it. And, and you know, and uh, I will. And now that you've brought up the last movie, I'm going to nitpick and say that's probably why everybody thinks Star Trek Two is the greatest of the Star Trek films because Star Trek One um, falls below people's expectations of what they wanted from a Star Trek movie. Even though it's a, it's actually a pretty decent science fiction movie, it's actually a pretty heady movie. <clears throat> a little too heady, some would say. This is an action film. This yeah. is this is a summer action film that you can sit down and watch, and it's fun. Well, can I call you on that? I mean, what this movie I think is remembered for its action, but there's a whole lot of talking in this movie. Oh yeah, uh, there's a ton of talking, but yeah. but this, this has was action. There's this was no the first action. time you see Starfleet ships shooting the shit out of each other. Oh, it's brilliant. Not just like blasts and they freeze. You see them ripping holes in the side of the ship. Well, I mean, that, <laughs> there is action in this movie. There is no action in the motion picture. There is not a second of picture. But uh, I would like to, to kind of point out the fabulous future fashions that, uh, that oh, Leonard is sporting here. Oh, he looks... Oh, man, he looks so money. He looks like a million bucks in that thing. You don't agree? No, I don't recall in the series... Kirk having an interest in antiques. So again, this is something new added here. Well, some time has gone by since the series, so you know he could. Oh yeah, but and how much? And I've always been a little confused as to what the timeline on this was supposed to be. The nitpickers guide had some problems with that too. They mentioned that because of uh, star dates that are present during the Genesis log, that maybe this movie took place uh, a few years after the first one, but. How many years after the it first one took place? After I'm after Spacey, but apparently it wasn't. It's supposed to be fifteen years because he mentions fifteen years, right? But it it doesn't but actually it, add up to that much time. They met, they fudged that a little bit. Yeah, I remember because it's if the uh, Space Seed was a year one, so it would be five years from Space Seed plus three years to Star Trek the motion picture, and then. Um, he goes. I mean, it seems like he's now in command of the ship, and you know, so there would be another long mission. And this is the but, first um, time we see another Federation ship in the movie. I yeah. mean, we, we didn't see any I others in the first one. Did we? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, we saw some like I mean, you saw like a space station. station. Yeah, right. You didn't see like a, didn't see like a real ship. No. But uh, and I love the I love the Reliant. And uh, but but here, here comes my next problem. What is the Reliant doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it? Do- oh, I mean, I was going to nitpick this. Um, it's it's searching for a lifeless planet. Right. And isn't Regula what becomes Genesis in the end? Well, yeah. And actually, um, isn't that Regula, lifeless? No, no. I don't think so. It's the it's the um, 
plasma, what do you the, the, the nebula is well, what that, becomes... It's kind of unclear, but just... I think it is unclear. They don't make it clear. It's, it's, no, really, it's, it's really the nebula. Because I've assumed is, for a while it was. I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off, Mike. Go ahead. Well, just wait. Um, it's not hard to find planets that don't have life. There's more of them than anything else. You don't need a starship. They should have a database. We have a database of planets that are rock. They're parked next to regular. There's six or lifeless planets in this solar system. They're not hard to find. You don't need to send a ship to do it. One that coincidentally has checkoff. Yeah. And shouldn't they have already been to the SETI system? You would think, yeah. And yeah. there we have the famous prop of the lights here. I yeah. love that prop. I love the I love the TV. Oh, you know, yeah, it's it's so yeah, circa nineteen eighty. Oh, I wish we had TVs like this now, like with round screens. Even though it'd probably be impractical to watch something like that, it still looks cool. Well, I love the pre-animate matter caught in a matrix. I mean, there's some great Star Trek bullshit side. What the fuck is that? Pre-animate matter. That means inanimate. <laughs> now, does David know that Kirk is his father? No, no clearly not. Uh, well, uh, not clearly because I asked the question because he's a real dick to him, but it it could be from that you're my dad and you were never around. No, I, I'm I'm pretty sure somewhere in there it, it, they do mention it. He doesn't know. That's right because he does take a shot at him. Yeah, he says it right here. Something about oh, he was never a Boy Scout, so he knows yeah, about Kirk. He used to hang around with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right there. Jim Kirk was many and, things, know, but he was never a Boy Scout. So, why doesn't he know? Yeah, at this point, he's, he's a full an adult. Kid. Shouldn't she have told him? Yeah, at this she's a point. bad mother. Well, he does know. She, he's just never met him, right? No, because he because uh, Kirk was told not to come around. Well, he could still I, know that he's his father. He just doesn't, you know talk with him. Yeah, but just that that reference of that overgrown Boy Scout used to hang around with. You mean your dad? (laughs) Such a a strange way to refer to it. Even the daddy doesn't know. And there's there's another point in the movie where it really either, if it doesn't flat out say it, it certainly implies it. Okay, uh, another problem here. Mm -hmm. So we get to the planet. Okay, that's fine. We can't, there's something down there. We can't tell what it is. Um, so let's send down the captain and the first officer alone. And the sensor no should have been guards. able. To, the sensor should have been able to pick that pick that up. But then again, there's that huge nitpick. Of well, why don't they even know what planet this is? I mean, well, yeah. How if, if planet if City Alpha Six exploded, they would have been able to tell that City Alpha Five's orbit shifted, and there would have been in the database that we mentioned. You know, it would have been yes. in there. You know. But and even now, just look at the story that, that Khan tells. And again, it just right now, hey, there's there a car, a, just a cargo carrier, some sort of ship. Yeah, maybe we should call some security guards. Yeah, maybe we should. I mean, I know that's a classic Star Trek nitpick. The captain mm-hmm. should not be going. But here it is: the top two people on the ship go alone onto the planet with just like their their spacesuits. Yeah. Why? And- why is there not a science officer? Looking for this, yeah, or a spotlight character, officer. something like that. You're right, or Mr. Beach from no, the bridge, something. Because it, it makes absolutely no sense. Well, you know, this, as I said, you know, this was like this is your baby. You know, you really wanted to do this, and I haven't done a commentary from this angle before, so I was really trying to get into the spirit. I took some notes and really tried to find things that, you know, were nitpickery, and it was it was tough, you know, because I never really analyzed this film like that. But thinking about this scene here, 
Wouldn't these containers, did they come from the Enterprise? Wouldn't they say Enterprise on them somewhere? No, no, they're Botany Bay. They crash. Oh, they're actually from the now, Botany at, Bay. At the end okay. of Space Seed, yeah. though, is, did they just put them back in the Botany Bay? Well, yeah, they just put them on the Botany Bay and sent them off. Well, I thought, doesn't he, Chekhov grabs like a belt or something at the end of this scene, and that's yeah, in Spotty Bay. Bay. Yeah. So, it's I mean, the, dude, I thought maybe the actual yeah. cargo containers came from but the But some Enterprise. of the stuff, because the Enterprise gave them supplies. Yeah, so yeah they gave be, them supplies. So they had to have... There should be Enterprise uh, markings somewhere, you would think. Yeah, unless, I mean, yeah. And, and, of course, Moby Dick is one of the books that survives. What a coincidence. Paradise Lost. Yeah, Moby Dick. Now, where, where, where did the Botany Bay come from? It came from Earth. Oh, no. But where on Earth? It was because this was pre-Federation. Well, it was like, uh, yeah. like 1996 or something when it merged yeah. in the Middle East. So why is it written in English? <laughs> That's a very good. That's point. a good question. I don't know. In the 90s, because we can't read, because we can't read Arabic. Yeah. Well, they, you know, Boy, Khan is really lucky that they got back now. Five seconds later, he would have hmm. missed his shot. Yeah, yeah he would have run into the Fremen out there. <laughs> the Fremen. <laughs> okay, now this. Hmm, our captain and our first officer are not responding. What should we do? Why don't call Starfleet? We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, they're, they're not responding. Okay, we'll give them a little more time, is what he says. It's like, what do you mean? You so you were thinking about leaving? Let's give them a little more we can't time. find a captain. Let's go. <laughs> what the fuck yeah. is that? Yeah, I guess you're right. There. This is when you go beam down all the security officers with lots of phasers. Oh, yeah, they're treating it. It's like, well, this kind of happens all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, we can get yeah. another one. There's a reason that you're supposed to have red shirts on the on the ship. But you know what? This is a great reveal, though. At, well, it's not a reveal. The name of the movie is Wrath of Khan. <laughs> I'm sorry. And and then, you know, that nice little nitpick that Chekhov wasn't on the show when yeah. Space Seed happened. So what the fuck is this? Well, I always I thought... I never forget a case. I always thought that my reasoning was is that Chekhov was aboard. He just wasn't on the bridge yet. He, did, he wasn't a bridge officer, but he was still there. No, Chekhov was uh, similar to the way he's portrayed in the new movie. He's really young. He, he's, he's not really a whiz kid, but he's, he's definitely... Uh, by, by the time he's on the show, it's because he just got out of Starfleet and he earned his spot. He's a college kid. He's a few years older than... I, I have one other question. What's this to... How old are the people behind him? Yeah, Khan's people. Yeah, too yeah. not old enough. They're they're not old enough to be his followers and too old to be the children. Right. Mm -hmm. Unless unless they're hyper aged. Unless there were children on the botany bay. I don't believe there were though. I don't believe there were either. But I mean that would that would explain it. But I, my recollection from Spacey, which I, I kind of wanted to watch beforehand, but. Yeah, I think maybe they're just counting. Although, because I remember uh, the one guy, uh, Joaquin, mm -hmm. is was supposed to be Khan's son. So it's Khan's son and Kirk's son uh, all being sort of like the... Well, that's interesting. And I don't think that... I don't know if that ever came out. But that was why he was so, you know, so broken younger. up when he died. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that would make more sense. You know, I, I shall avenge you. Yeah, he does get pretty, pretty upset when he dies. Yeah. So there's a whole father. I mean, here's a, a son who knows his father and reveres his father and loves his father. And, uh, you know, he's kind of the opposite of David Marcus. Yeah. 
which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, one of the things about their suits, and it's not their convenient handles, but... Yes, I love that. It's, why are the suits different colors? Do, you know, captains and first officers wear different colors? Never told you how they never know. I don't know. Chekhov was... They're both command. Yeah, they're both command, so they should be the same color. Well, you know, it would just... Why would any of the suits be different colors? Do you think, you know, they would just all be the same color? I don't know. That's one of the things Unless they were different suits. Different. You know, but but yeah, they're they're stylistically the same. Yeah, they're just different colors. Wouldn't it just be more practical to make them all the same color? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no no reason I can think of. You know, one one interesting thing that I actually forgot to mention now is uh, is like their costumes. Yeah, those are radical shifts from the. <laughs> no kidding. Like, holy shit! No one likes the pastel uh, pajamas. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder, often wonder about that. I mean, I'm probably not the only Trekkie who does. Like, how does Starfleet, is there a department in Starfleet that designs new uniforms, you know? And, and when do they just, they have to implement them? And, you know, when do, you know, you notice in generations they're wearing two different styles. And it's like, did they, did some yeah. of them not get the memo with that? You know? Well, even uh, like in Next Generation, you know, they, they switch between, what, seasons two and three. They go to the, the kind of shirt thing. Yeah, they go to the, the tunic uh, in season three. Mm-hmm. And the the reason why they do, and I'll call it the Voyager uniform, but it's not really the Voyager uniform. It's the Deep Space Nine uniform. The Deep Space Nine uniform is the casual work uniform. And the, 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 the more formal uniform, but without going into the full formal, is the classic next generation. And they would often wear those on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Until they switched over to the gray. Until everybody switched to the gray. Yeah. Now, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, he said on Earth 200 years ago, I was a prince. Yeah. Is he actually a literal prince? Was he a literal prince? Uh, you know, I wish I remember spacing more. Okay. The eugenics wars, he, he ruled like... A, a pretty large portion of the world. Well, you know, I wasn't sure if he meant it literally like when someone says, oh, I felt like a oh, god no. or something, or the, I felt like they, a king. They sent them off because they were too powerful. <laughs> okay. It wasn't It wasn't a, oh, let's let these, you know, hyperhumans go explore space. It was, get the fuck off our planet or we're going to kill you. Like now, um, Look how oblivious I, I, he looks to that. I love it. Just kind of going back to the... Uh, the, the the SETI Alpha Five and SETI Alpha Six issue. Yeah. Now, so they're they're on SETI Alpha Five, but they thought it was SETI Alpha Six. Where right. SETI Alpha Six exploded, and that shifted the orbit of SETI Alpha Five. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. If SETI Alpha Six exploded, and its orbit is outside of SETI Alpha Five, it would push it inward. Think? Towards SETI Alpha Four, it wouldn't suck it backwards into its own orbit. Well, it could shift it to make it an eccentric orbit, not not, not necessarily circular. You know, that could explain the weird weather patterns, maybe. But just in terms of the direction, the the it would have it's, it's exploding from the wrong side. It would it, it wouldn't have pushed the orbit out, out unless it's pushed it. Like, unless it was on the other side of the sun and pushed it that way. But then that explosion, if it breached the other side of the sun, that would be pretty... And also, if this planet exploded, wouldn't it leave debris? Wouldn't there be a new asteroid belt around this this star? Oh, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, it'd be like, why is there uh, one planet less than an asteroid belt we didn't know about? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, How about the nitpick? One of my favorite of your nitpicks. 
How is it that that is the only species that survives this ship? Like everything uh, and these few humans. And it's convenient that the only surviving uh, creature has little tiny babies that make people do what you want. Yeah. Like how lucky. Like that is a super convenience because without this, the whole rest of the movie falls apart. Well, yeah, I mean that he needs to mind control them, so let's stick a worm in them. Right, like seriously, without this part, they don't get on to the Reliant. None of the rest of the movie happens. He, yeah, generally speaking, they don't find out about Genesis. They find about Genesis. They don't find about anything. They kill these two on this planet, and it pretty much ends here, or holds them hostage here. But that's about it. Yeah, they they need a quick way to to mind control. Them. Yep, it's and, so and it, yeah. It's so cruel the way they do this too. They could, I mean, they could just put it in their ear, but no, we're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Why do they stick the fucking helmet on? Well, they wanted to be cruel. <laughs> it's just you know he's vicious. Now also, so it goes into your ear, and then wraps itself around your cerebral cortex. It's not a hole that just goes right to your brain. That thing has to eat through eardrum and flesh and all kind and nerves and all kinds of other crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get into your cerebral cortex and. Is squeezing the cerebral cortex, does that make people particularly susceptible to suggestion, or does it, you know, make them It probably probably secretes something. Actually, where it should have gone, even though it was one of those... should have gone in their ass. It should have actually gone up their nose. Yeah. Because it's very easy to get to your brain through your nose. Now, once again, why didn't they beam up to the ship? Now, yeah. in, in Star Trek The Motion Picture, it's because Enterprise, the transporter's not working. Mm-hmm. The only reason they, they don't Enterprise beam up is because, uh, well, we had all this lovely footage Let's reuse that it. we're reusing from the first movie where we actually had money for special effects. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah, excellent. And, uh, and we can do the nice little, little caress, look along the ship again. Let me tell you how I justify that, though. Um, my, I justify that in that it's kind of like a tradition for the captain to board the ship that, this way when it's in dry dock. Any chance to go board That's the way I kind of see it. Could be. Or you're just making a huge. <laughs> or you're making yeah, the fact that, that that's what the footage that was already three years old was showing. Well, and this and uh, they make a mistake here because uh, they actually said they're docking next to the torpedo bay, but as they're using footage from the first movie, they're not docking towards the oh, torpedo yeah. bay. Yeah, not, not even close. That's the side of the ship. Yeah, they're way off. They should be much higher. <laughs> You know what? I just noticed that that's where uh, Kirk gets shot of, out of on the Enterprise in the new movie. Oh, really? The, yeah, because yeah, look right. Here's the torpedo tube right there. Yeah. Do you notice it says it says Torp Bay? It's abbreviated. <laughs> that's weird. Why didn't they print the the word smaller? They got to fit the whole thing on there. <laughs> and these uniforms you mentioned, though, I mean, uh, these probably are the. You know, I think most beloved of the uniforms, um, but they are a little, a little strange for military uniforms. But they are turtleneck. They're, well, they're nautical. They're nautical. You know what I mean? They look like the, the Navy. I mean, this movie is kind of like the Navy in space. And yeah. What I've always wondered is their kind of flaps that open on the front. Hey, hey, Scotty's nephew is on this ship. Well, not yeah. in this version. He's not. That's just a guy. Well, but I think he still is because otherwise, why would Scotty be so freaked out that he died? Well, yeah, why would you bring him all the way up to the, sh- up to the bridge? I know, instead of the sick bay where you yeah. take a person who's dying. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to that later. Yeah, well, yeah, we got a while till we get there. But okay, and now here, this this is also something very strange. So Savit comes over to him, right? And she does this whole uh, he's very human thing. Why would she be surprised that someone that she's already met? 
is very, very human. That's oh. a very good point. I have no idea. Just so Spock can make the nobody's perfect crack. And that's yeah. it. It's just a cheap gag. Yep. It doesn't make any sense. It's just so Spock can take a shot at and it. And I think because um, Nick Meyer mentions he likes it having subtitles on screen, so he wanted them to be speaking in Vulcan. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, but wouldn't the Universal Translators translate all of that? Yeah, that's one yeah. of my <laughs> nitpicks of all time. Why, why, do Cl- why do Klingons speak in Klingonese? <laughs> I know they're not in this movie, but it makes no sense. Oh, yeah. You mean why don't they speak Klingonese like in Star Trek Three? No, like when they when they are speaking Klingonese in anywhere past Star Trek Three, they speak Klingonese and not English. Why doesn't the Universal Translator in the twenty fourth century translate Klingon? Now at this time they don't have the built-in Universal Translator. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay, so in continuity they they didn't have that yet. Okay. Well, they had the handheld one in the original series, so I don't know if they upgraded them. If they've mentioned them since, yeah, because the Universal Translator, because in Star Trek Three, they were speaking English. Well, that was like, but but they were like Kirk had to speak Klingon into that thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So he knew. So there was a difference between the Klingon and and the the thing. But by six, they mentioned the Universal Translator again. And and by next generation era, the Universal Translator is in the communication bag. Okay. Another issue. And in Deep Space Nine, it was in their ears, wasn't it? No. Well, don't you remember the episode Little Green Man? They um, they adjusted it in their ear. Okay. Why is Kirk freaked out about this? Uh, about, about what? About what? About Savick Take her out, taking Savick. her out. Uh, like, because he feels he might bump the ship, like in Galaxy Quest. Is that what you mean? Well, but she's just taking the captain's chair. Sulu's the one who's actually driving. All she does is say, "A head, one quarter impulse power." Blah blah blah. Two lines that I could even say. All she has to do is just don't say turn right to starboard immediately it's not really like it's very hard why is he freaking out <laughs> it's a, and it's if a she point. says turn right immediately sulu will go are you sure about that right Sulu's a, sulu is a seconds away from being a captain like and and you know he says have you ever piloted a starship out of space dock and it's like she's not piloting sulu's piloting she's yeah. just saying go she's basically miss daisy well, in, in submariner terms, in submarine terms, that's actually pilot. Is is telling the people it, what to do? Yeah. Oh no, I, I don't know. think. I mean, why would Kirk be nervous about it? And then you know, McCoy offers him a tranquilizer awful quick there. Oh, that's you because know? McCoy's been getting that motherfucker high for years. <laughs> you know, instead of saying, "Hey, Jim, just mellow out. Your people know their job." He's like, "Oh, you need a little something for that." Well, this is also a rookie crew, right? Because it's got you've got a few instructors on here, but actually, why are they putting a crew full of cadets on a Constitution class battleship? Why don't they actually have a crew? It's a training ship now. That's what the ship has become at this point, right? Yeah, but but that that just sort of when did they do that? I mean, that was certainly not the way they had had kind of done things before or since. You know, you don't. It's usually people when they come out of the academy will go serve on a pre-existing ship that has an experienced crew and captain and all of that, and that's how you do that. Where does this? We have a very, very powerful, although old, but not necessarily that old because it just got fitted a few years ago. It is very powerful. 
Um, so why it, it makes no sense to do that other than to just make sure we have a crew of newbies on this ship for this storyline. You know what's even but funnier? Sense from a logical standpoint. Deep Space Nine redoes it. Yeah. Red Squad, Red dude, Squad. Those were like the best. <laughs> okay. Here's another problem I have here. Yeah. Regular one space station. Yeah. Right? The home of the Genesis device. One of the most powerful things in the universe. Yeah. Why does it not have a fleet of ships protecting it from what's going to happen to it right now? Yeah. Well, that would be like when they're building the atomic bomb. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Oh, we're not going to have any guards around. No guards around the Manhattan Project. You're hiding it from. From the scientists because they don't want, you know, someone to come take it. Okay, well, we will just sit on the other side of the planet where your sensors won't work. Well, I think and make sure nobody comes and steals. Well, you're absolutely. I know that they did mention in, in a very expositiony kind of piece, you know, that this this you know device could be perverted. You know, that's what uh, Mark. Uh, that's what right, Mark Buttrick says. But but think about it. The Manhattan Project was an actual weapon developed to to bomb the Japanese to to nuke them. You know, this was this is this is a device for good for peace. You know, it's not meant to be that. As soon as McCoy sees the recording, he goes, "Oh my God, this is a weapon." Right. As soon as the Klingon in the next movie sees this, he says, oh, my God, this is a weapon. Khan apparently figures it out, too. So when they pitch this to Starfleet, Starfleet doesn't get that. Right. That if anybody finds out about this, they will come and take it and make it a weapon. Even if you're not planning to, that's you're not going to let someone develop a weapon like that without giving them some sort of protection. You, know, well, you notice he said military there. Did you notice that? Yeah. yeah. And would you consider the Federation military or exploratory? Uh, they're military. Starfleet says they're a difference. Some, pe- <laughs> some people get upset about that. You know, Our military explores a lot of other countries. <laughs> some people get upset about that. Like, you know, what are they? Are they a military, you know, organization or are they more explorers? Like, you know, next gen, I'd say they're explorers here. I mean, the, the Enterprise is called a battle cruiser. So, yeah, I would say it's more military. And uh, but, I mean, but then look at look how quickly in Deep Space Nine that humanitarian organization turns into a, a military organization and goes and kills people. Which oh, which which part of DS9 are you talking all about? All of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought you I thought you were referring to that one episode on Risa. Okay. But but to uh, nitpick your to 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 more to prove your point so you about your the um, Genesis, Iran wants nuclear power. They want it. They yeah, say they so. want it to power things, but it can be perverted so and used in horrible ways. So we say no, you can't have that shit. There, there are things put in place for it. They aren't trying to build a weapon that we know. You know, we, we think they are, but we don't know it for sure. But the fact that you can build a weapon out of it means you have to protect yourself from other people getting that thing, that technology. Well, I thought that maybe the Federation... Um, go ahead. There's something you want no, to say. No, it just... It, it's, the, the main reason is because if that happened, then... The movie would end when Khan, you know, gets blown up by ten, you know, star or ten Constitution class battlecruisers. It, it, it doesn't even need to be you, that big, that many. It just oh, needs to be more than a science vessel. Well, I think that you know the Federation. I mean, they hadn't even bought Genesis yet. I mean, they were still developing it, and then because you know Marcus, a uh, Carol Marcus makes that videotape for them, a proposal because they haven't bought it yet, so they're not taking them seriously. They're just scientists out on the fringe. That's what I thought. Maybe. And was he coming know, on? Wait, was was he coming on? Work. Was he coming on into Savic in in the turbo lift here? 
as a physician. You know, I think even if he wasn't, he would be. <laughs> okay, because it seemed That's like he was. Right. There was some sexual tension yeah. in that frame, I think. Well, then, like, all of a sudden, it is kind of like, ooh, Sorry. the Vulcan's a hottie now. What's up with that? Right. Did you change your hair? Well, it's not the Vulcan's a hottie. The Vulcan was always a hottie, but it was a dude Vulcan, so none of the guys noticed that Vulcans are hot. Then they got a hot Vulcan chick, and everybody's like, holy shit, Vulcans are hot. And what was she wearing? Was she exercising? Is that why she was wearing that garb? (laughs) Casual uniform. Very casual. 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 It's good that in the 23rd century, we revert back to, you know, CRT tube arms. Yes. (laughs) And did you notice the the very monochromatic computer back in in his cabin? If you notice that in the background when he's talking with McCoy? Oh, yeah, it's very Apple II kind of looking. It's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, that, that's actually one of my my big problems with uh, quite a few of the Star Trek movies, is is the fact that they were thinking really far into the future, but they missed things that are huge today. Like the, the cell phone revolutionized the world, but I guess their world didn't have Star Trek, so it doesn't work. And the internet, good lord, the internet. When, when you just think about the fact that the internet exists, it blows apart lots and lots and lots of Star Trek. You know what I think is funny is, uh, you know, David even says, scientists have always been pawns of the military. And it's like, well, yes, that's how we got weapons. Right. <laughs> that's the whole way. Is this new to you? I thought you were a smart kid. And did you notice how that one of the uh, scientists there back on Regula had no sleeves? And the, all the other ones did. Did you notice that? Like he had huge no. guns. Did you notice? Yeah. It's like, why is he sleeveless? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's odd. He's just okay. casual. Very casual. Okay, now we're coming to one of the great, great Star Trek uh, problems with the Enterprise being the only ship in the quadrant. First of all, we you know at this point, they didn't really know quadrants and sectors. Because if it's the only ship in the quadrant, it's the only ship in the Federation. Right. Yeah. But even switch it for sector. Now, if you, how long do you think it is right now, at the most, from when they left the space dock? I don't know, half hour. No, no, let's let's go a day. Yeah, half a day, a day, yeah, something like that. It doesn't. Even, well, I mean, I mean, it's hard to tell, but certainly with the speed of things going on on regular and reliant, things are moving pretty quickly. Right. But so even a day, they're traveling at one quarter impulse power. Right. Right. Oh, there's so, another. There's another gaff. I'll mention that. Sorry. Keep going. Um, one quarter impulse power. You uh, for a day is one day at at one quarter the speed of light. They're not really that far from Earth. Wait, one qu- impulse power isn't the speed of light. Warp one is the speed of light. No, well, it, full, warp, full, I would not remind full impulse, impulse just sub speed of light. Well. It, it full impulse is the speed of light. It's just sub speed of light, I thought. Yeah. yeah. The speed of light would be warp one. Right. So one quarter impulse power is beyond the speed of light. So... Uh, uh, what, what is it? Either, it, either way, way, it's yeah. not that fast. No, it's not. So a ship traveling at like warp five for two seconds would overtake the Enterprise right. at this point. Mm-hmm. So they're the closest thing there, although a ship from Earth can get to where they are in five seconds. Yeah. Again... Why are you? What, and and of course, it's regular one where they have that wonderful Your little thing that could be turned into a weapon. Let's friend. just send the crew full of I cadets and the old man and the Vulcan. <laughs> well, instead uh, of sending everybody else. And about the one quarter impulse power. I mean, isn't that a gaff? Because you, as you recall, in Star Trek Six, thrusters are only allowed in 
space dock, not, you know. Yes. Yeah, and he calls for one quarter impulse power, and Valeris says, oh, that's not allowed. But here, hmm, everybody, everybody seems fine with it. And Savik, being such a stickler, would have said, hey, we can only use thrusters, dude. But she doesn't. That, I don't know. I thought that was a mistake. And again, this kind of like, um, sorry, kids, we're going into battle. Right. <laughs> With a man who has nothing against you, but passionately hates me, because uh, to be fair, they don't my women back. They don't know yet. Yeah, they don't. He doesn't know that they're going up against Khan. Oh, I know, but you know, they're still fucked. I'd like to think that I'm I'm looking at uh, Kirstie Alley here. There's the so much little training crews. Looking at Kirstie Alley, I mean, I have to believe that Nick Meyer would have said, you know, you're. You know, you're you're part Romulan. You got some emotion. She she shows some expressions in her face that Vulcans yeah. never do. There's there had to have been something going on. on Doesn't set. she cry at the end? She does. Yeah. I, I love the mix of you know rugged barbarian and Starfleet. Yeah, they put their they put the the jackets over there, kind of biker you know, space biker outfits. I love that. And where did they leave them? By the way, City Alpha Five. They left the crew on City Alpha Five. Yeah. Yeah. So how many of them are dead now? Because there are only like what thirty of them, right? Well, according to the nitpickers guide, there's probably about fifty of Khan's Still, gang. Fifty of Khan's gang. How many people fit on the on on the Reliant? Because it's a it's a fully functional starship. Well, it's got to be at well, least a couple hundred, right? Well, yeah, it's ha- half the size of the Enterprise because it's a it's a saucer section. All right, so half the size of the Enterprise, so at least two hundred and fifty people. Where are those people going to be sheltered? Outside, I mean, they all couldn't fit. They take turns, you know. <laughs> Obviously, it's not big enough. I mean, Khan isn't a nice guy. They're all just like really packed in there. They can pack they, in really tight. They get like eighty people in here if we don't breathe. I mean, why didn't Kate Winslet share the life? with Leo at the end of Titanic. I mean, yeah, I just saw that picture. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> George Takai posted that. Like, look at that. There's plenty of room. <laughs> oh, they could take turns. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one of the things about the bridge and just about all the 23rd, 24th century technology, looking at them, none of these buttons are labeled. You ever notice that? I mean, they're all just lights. and they're all just like, How do they know what they do? I mean, do they have to memorize all these control panels? Wow, that would suck. It seems well, like they do. Give up in the, the uh, that's why Akuda gave everything names. Don't they have numbers too on next gen? Little numbers in the corner. They aren't numbers. They're 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 the, the cast names. Like uh, what what is it uh? What is Riker's real name? Uh, Jonathan Frakes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his but there there are buttons on the bridge that would be well, it's the first two letters of his first name and the last three letter and the first three letters of his last name. So it would be Joe F R A. I think that's what it is. Or is it, it, it's it's a, a numeric thing and they're just all over the place. Yeah, it's a, definitely the first two letters of your first name and then the, the I think it's the first three letters of your last name. You know you're right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, they wouldn't, if it wasn't that big a deal, they wouldn't have this so protected by a retina scan. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like CIA type stuff. Yeah. You know, so yeah, they would be taking it more seriously. They probably have a better protection for regular. I agree. Good point. They should have better protection. Yeah. Did anybody notice like those little filing cabinets on the back, you know, behind uh, Leonard Nimoy? Does, don't they look like warp nacelles to you? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I'm not it looks like they, they like pull okay. a, a mold off a, of an old model. I've always I remember, uh, actually, if you go back, I think it's to... Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're going into Tron. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> going into the computer world. 
Although this was before Crown? Uh, this yeah. is probably around the same time, but look, if you look closely, you can see the MCP in there. Well, because it's 1982. <laughs> and Tron was uh, 82. Yeah, so uh, probably the yeah, same I people think, who I did this did Tron. Yeah. This was actually, and still holds up as halfway decent computer graphics. Oh, yeah. Still looks pretty dang good. I mean, again, I remember so hearing the audience. you not get that this is a weapon? Yeah, right. looking at you this. just ignited yeah. an entire planet's surface. Yeah, it's all and part of the show, was like, well, what happens if you use this where there are already people? Right. Yeah. All of a sudden, people just went jackpot. This I, I, is how we control the universe. You know, I love uh, the book series that actually comes out of this. And not love, love, but I love the Genesis Wave stuff. It's uh, it's so much fun because it, they they say that when Genesis blows up, there's a wave that goes off and just keeps shifting and changing planets and fucking people up. Yeah. And again, you know, going to this, just look at this example. It, whatever they use was just a big, you know, hunk of rock. There's a lot of those. Yeah. They're they're all over the place. Yeah. There's plenty. Of, I mean, our, our moon is a big hunk of rock. Yeah. And and they again, like I said, in this solar system alone. But if they, you know, I understandably, I mean, we can nitpick that. Why not do this a little closer to home? Well, maybe they're afraid if something went wrong. They'd fuck something up close by. You're yeah. Absolutely. yeah, I mean, you're right. But I mean, but they did but do that. Still, it's it's not hard. They they and Star Trek alone, they have visited hundreds of these planets. You don't need to go look for one. You can I can find have, it you, I mean, yeah, you're right. Why would they? But I mean, I think about the the Manhattan Project and Los Alamos. I mean, they did. They weren't sure exactly what was going to happen when they set off that first nuke. They weren't sure if that chain reaction was going to go on forever and blow up the whole planet. So they picked a place. That was very isolated because they weren't yeah. sure. So especially same, if someone's going to use unstable proto matter in the next movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even here, like the discussion, McCoy's like, you know, Universal Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what's up. And they're using you know biblical terms here: Genesis, Armageddon, obviously intentionally. Earth was created in six days. Yeah. Interesting that McCoy says according to myth, which probably offended a lot of people. You think? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. No, I mean that was that was the agnostic uh, Star Trek future. Well, I mean that is a form of mythology, no matter how you. Well, I mean, he is correct. Yeah. I don't think it offended as many people back then as it would today. Oh yeah. Because back then, half the people out there didn't know he said that. A now, closing fast. What? Mm. Oh yeah. Why wouldn't half the people know he didn't say that? Because they didn't go and see the movie and nobody told them yeah. about it. Okay. <laughs> like, now, they didn't have the internet to rile everybody up. They didn't have the internet and 24-hour news cycle to rile people up. That's true. I always thought that maybe now it would be, it would offend people more now because oh, we we'll yeah. learn oh, much yeah. more about science and, and it would the be universe. Fox News is the, the uh, Star Trek hates God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like that, that's one of the, the, the world we live in. Hell, they decided Batman was gay. Yeah, that Oh, did, did they actually name which character is actually gay? No, but uh, odds are it's uh, Alan Scott. His weakness is wood. Why don't they think these things through? Anyway, yeah. uh, General Order 12 on the approach of any vessel. One of the things that came up in the nitpicker's guide was Kirk's um, bad handling of the situation and why he's never reprimanded for not following procedure. Yeah. Yeah, everything mm-hmm. happens because he doesn't follow orders. That makes him a very, very bad captain. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. a bad call. Bad call, Ripley. 
requesting bad call. communications. And then, like, they call him on. He's like, you go on yeah, courting orders. Yes, if you fucking listen to me, we wouldn't have a lot of dead people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the regulations and are there also, for a reason. Just, just, it doesn't make any sense why he wouldn't. It's like, yeah. well, just raise shields. Yeah. Raising shields. There's nothing wrong with raising shields. Hell, the Enterprise uh, D does it hundreds of times after that. It's yellow alert. You know, I love how... Khan is so well learned he knows Klingon proverbs. Yeah, he shouldn't yes. know that. Yeah. Shouldn't know Klingon proverbs. I mean, I guess he could have had time to study well, up. Uh, he, he did have a lot of time to study. Well, I mean, did he have those kind of books back on, um, you know, City Alpha I, 5? I, well, I on the Enterprise, he went through the ship's records in a very, you know, when he yeah. was. That's true. Uh, but yeah, was he, was he studying Klingon proverbs or how to take over the ship? I, I, I would actually, uh, even then, they sent them off with supplies. I, I would have to figure that they would give them a, a history of the world they live in now. Okay. Mm -hmm. They say that their coil emissions are blah, blah, blah. And Spock says, nope, they're lying. And they still haven't raised it. Yeah, I know. What's up with that? Yeah. You know, I would think that it'd be wiser for Khan, especially for Khan, to study up on Klingon Proverbs because it gives them so many good opportunities for excellent one-liners. So Yeah, they're locking phasers, raise shields. What the fuck? Yeah, now raise oh, now, yeah, now raise the shields, yeah. And now we have a big hole inside our And he's responsible for many people dying as well and catching on fire. All these people died because, because James Kirk made a fucked up move. Yeah. And one of the things that's always Sulu, gonna... get those shields up. The ones you should have put up five minutes ago? Yeah, the Sulu should have said, no shit, Captain. Why didn't you tell me earlier? Um, well, look at that poor guy. There's that poor guy. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with... Um, that's kind of bullshit engineering. Just slowly closed doors. <laughs> like, there should be better things of, hey, these doors closed, but I can open it to get out. Unless radiation gets too high. Well, that's another kind of nautical-esque type of thing that Mara was introducing. I mean, did you notice that in the uh, Kobayashi Maru test in the beginning, she said, launch the buoy. You know, that's something that a submarine will do yeah. Yeah. In, in the ocean, so. You know, I always wondered uh, about these emergency lights. Why are they always red? It doesn't yeah. make it harder to see. You know, you yes. think? It's like, turn on the lights, guys. We're in a, we're in a battle here. Come on. And don't you think that... If there was uh, a captain making an egregious error, such as not raising the shields in time, that the computer would automatically raise the shields? No, that that is that is a next generation so error kind of thing. Yeah, this this computer is not. Yeah, there's enough. much less uh, computer control over the ship at this time. Well, yeah. Scotty does the whole automation thing in, in yeah, the next movie. Yeah, that's in the next movie, though. But that's yeah. not. Well, the next movie takes place two weeks after this. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> not that much time has gone by. Yeah, but that's also a nitpick of that movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Be because uh, the automation, you really shouldn't have been able Although, to do that. Although, and, you know, to, to kind of break out of nitpicking for a second, this was a great battle scene. I mean, this is the kind of action we're talking about. Oh, this is good stuff. This is money. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is what we oh, wanted. Uh, yeah, yeah. This, this is why people love this movie. <laughs> but, uh... Oh... See, so that's, that's yes, yeah, and now it's like, oh, yeah, there's nothing to say about this. This is a great scene. <laughs> well, it's awesome. I mean, it's a, it's it. a great scene, but oh, it doesn't exist without Kirk making horrible, oh. egregious mistakes. Oh, and and again, you know, just just this thing about you know his past coming back to haunt him. It's it just the strange coincidences of the the guy who's stranded on a planet that's his fault. 
a guy who used to be his first officer. He's on a mission with a woman who he used to have sex with, who is the mother of his son. All of these weird, completely separate Kirk things collide to make this movie happen. Yeah. You know, if Sulu or if uh, Chekhov is not the first officer or he doesn't even go down to the planet, the movie doesn't happen. Because well, he, he makes no Kirk connection. So he gets super demoted, by the way. Because he's the first officer of that ship. And then he's back yeah. to being the weapons officer on the Enterprise. After to be that fair, mission. you just betrayed us. I know it's a little warm thing in your ear, but... <laughs> If it's me, right. well, betray it, your friends. Is there any explanation to it maybe in the books or some other part of the continuity where they explain how Chekhov got aboard the Reliant? Because he moved up in rank and he yeah. moved on. That was just it. He was just he was just promoted and moved on. Yeah. He just got another a choice spot on another ship. Right. Why would that, that, that's my assumption. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know if they ever said that. Uh, it's yeah, a nitpick because they needed somebody that we knew to go down to regular. That's right. the only reason he's there. And here's another thing. And it's interesting. Everybody is a commander now except yep. Kirk and Spock, who are admiral and captain. Yep. Wait, is Scotty... Scotty isn't a captain of engineering. He's promoted captain of engineering in the next movie. Oh, I thought he was already okay, a captain. Uh, no, in the next movie, they say report to report to your duty, your new duty as captain of engineering. I love to keep nodding. Yeah, keep nodding. <laughs> but see, okay, now here's another nitpick. How convenient is it that you can just do this? Uh, yeah, with the uh, prefix code. Few numbers. Wait, no, time out. Forget convenience of doing that. How about the fact that the fucking audio channel is still open and they're talking? We're finding it. Well, they do riff that in Galaxy Quest, as you recall. Like, but they're talking. Yeah. How does he not hear him? Wait, they're talking right now. Turn up the volume. Because he's too busy looking badass in front of him. He's got to. He's got to concentrate. I know. Uh, just, no, yeah, I mean, just by just very convenient that uh, that that you're. I mean, they never said that you could do this before. Well, right. No. No. But there's a great there's a great callback to it in a TNG episode, The Wounded. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there it actually makes sense that it's something to have, to make you tow another ship. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, well, why didn't they use this on you know other occasions uh, when they're up against Starfleet vessels in the past? Now they make the he could have changed the codes, and I guess maybe if he'd spent a little less time reading Klingon uh, proverbs and more time reading about how you control a starship, he could have fixed that. Considering how many tech manuals you'd have to read, it's, yeah, I can assume he may have forgotten a few things. He's had 15 years. Well, you know, I did they give him technical manuals? <laughs> you know, when he left, I mean, here's uh, here's the plans to all of our vessels, just in case you ever escape, in case you get well, off and you need to commandeer one. I, I, I will. I, the only reason they're able to do this in my head is because of all the times previous to this that somebody took over another Federation starship and then you're fucked. So they probably were like, oh well, hey, this is in the in the refit. We're we're doing this with all our vessels. That uh, we can mess with, uh, take control of other vessels. Like, hey, it makes sense. But then, then why don't they do more than lower the shields? Why don't they shut off the power? That would. Why make don't more they sense. do something other than we will shoot you now? Let's cut your life support. Let's you know shut down the ship. Just shut it off completely. And what if this hadn't worked? You know, what if what, what if Kirk surrendered then? What do you think? What have you done? Yeah, he, he's got no other choice. He's got no other choice. And now it's like, okay, where are you shooting? How about the engines? The engines, 
life support. You know, how about the bridge where everyone who's in command is sitting? Had they not, had they lost phaser, you know, locking capabilities, you know, from the damage, maybe? Locking capabilities, it's a gun. You point it. Well, yeah, yeah you know. I mean, you, come on. You, you would think, yeah. Badass. It was Sulu shooting, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. You would think, yeah, shoot the bridge, why not? I mean, they do finally do that in Nemesis where he's like, oh, they're targeting the bridge. I'm like, finally, you know that's where yeah. the command is. Do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like let's put you know the most important people right at the most obvious target, the center of a big circle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, instead of like deep buried in the ship where you have to blow away big chunks of steel to get to them, uh, titanium or whatever. Right oh, I'm quoting regulations. Yes, Caught my bridge is down. Well, at least he admits <laughs> to it. Here we go. This is yeah. Why take him here? But you know, I always just thought that since we didn't he, know who he was, he was just so. Look, she was showing, look, signs of, like, grief right there. Yeah. yeah. What the hell was that? Well, so is Spock. Well, he yeah. just closes his eyes. You know, he's being respectful. Well, well yeah, well, why Why did, you know, if you would have taken it, instead of spending the time going to the bridge, you'd just gone to sickbay, he might have lived. I love their space blankets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the shine. No, you know what? That's weird. Is that actual, that might be sickbay. Huh. And I mean, next generation sickbay, oh, because yeah. it was big and circular. Sure, it could have been. Why not? Yeah. I mean, they just shuffled a few things around. I mean, the Reliant Bridge is the Enterprise Bridge, after all, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit odd. I guess I never thought okay. about okay. it. That the fact that Wait. who this kid was. Why the fuck did he take him to the bridge? Yeah. this He's still alive. Oh, I, yeah. I forgot that he's, he's still, still alive. alive. If you would have yeah. taken him right to sickbay, he might have had a chance. Right. Yeah, his last word should have so been... So he died because yeah. Scotty did something stupid. His last word should have right. been, Uncle, why didn't you take me here first? Yes. <laughs> That's sad. I always thought that like, whoever was working continuity for this movie were like, oh, fuck, now I have to keep track of where that spot is. Oh, it actually moves. Oh, the yeah, blood, the blood, the blood stain on his. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things it about the an actual handprint. Well, yeah, the thing about the uniforms I want to mention is what purpose does that serve? It's like, is it a bib for when they eat? Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't. And seem like, to why do did he? Why did he flip it down? Does it like you know? I'm too constricted with it. <laughs> yeah, that's a dub. It's like you know when you get home from work, you know, you loosen his tie or something like that. Yeah, is that the equivalent for him of just like losing his shirt? But yeah. I'll show a little. I'll show you my 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 uh, little turtleneck. I love this set. It's so 80s. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it, like it rivals Flash Gordon. It looks something like that crossed with like the black hole. Yeah. Flash. Ah. Now the regular one was just the uh, a model from the first movie flipped upside down. Well, there is no up or down in space. Ah, that's true. <laughs> we don't we don't know that. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. You know, our, our primitive twenty. It's, it's, because, it's because we're using two dimensional thinking. That's why. Yeah. Which doesn't make any uh, sense. Wait till to me. we get. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that when that comes up. I think. Mm, yeah. And again, here, big giant rock in space. See, you know, I always thought I wasn't sure where Gen- the Genesis planet came from until I rewatched this again, and I think maybe it did become Regula because they were close to Regula when the Genesis wave went off. But you said no, it's the Nebula. So I never was quite sure. It's unclear. You know, they don't actually explicitly say anything in the movie about it, but. Mm-mm. You know how far are they? Is is the nebula from Regula? Because they seem to be pretty deep in the heart of the nebula when all of this stuff goes down, and the Genesis planet really kind of forms right around the ship. It seems. I mean, it seems like it's at the heart of 
Well, I, I, I guess you know when we get to that, we can really see. But yeah, you know what happens to the nebula that's around them too, which is sort of vanishes. Well, if it was the nebula, then why weren't they searching for nebulas? I mean, there wouldn't be any life yeah, in there. Wouldn't it be easier well, to use? Because also, there's is there is there a star around here? All of a sudden, there's a star at the center of this nebula. Well, it's the center of the nebula. Well, look, there's a star right there. I mean, where's that light coming from? There's got to be a, yeah. a sun behind it somewhere. My favorite is, what the fuck is the light source inside the planet? In the Genesis yeah. cave? Yeah. In the Genesis cave. We're not there yet. I was going to mention it. It's, it's it, Now, why well, it's, all it, of a sudden do they have these funky jackets? Damn it. You took that. It I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, why do they change clothes? Yeah, I don't know. Other than the fact that it looks cool. I don't know. And I just want to know, why do the tricorders get huge between this movie and the last movie? They're tiny. Look at the, 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 the phasers. One of the things the nitpickers guide mentioned is the fact that um, if you notice when they beam in that uh, McCoy's phaser is blinking and theirs aren't. They're, they're steady. So obviously one, their settings are different, but they, they both said when they beamed aboard, phasers on stun. So obviously they're not all at the same setting. Yeah, well, McCoy's like, fuck that. I'm putting mine on kill. <laughs> I don't care what my goddamn senile captain says. Fight. You're a Vulcan and a rock star. <laughs> I'm a country doctor. I'm putting someone down. Oh, that's a good trailer that's shot. And we're going to see a rat here in a moment. Do you, how do you think it got there? From the Genesis cave? <laughs> Did it crawl up from the Genesis cave? Were they experimenting on it? It can't crawl up from the Genesis cave. Okay. It can't walk into the transporter beam. Oh yeah, either. that's right. The Genesis cave is on the planet. planet. Yeah, space. yeah. I have to. Yeah. Crawl I mean, that just space. shows you how 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 powerful rats are. Is they have made it all the way across the universe into a uh, a space station on the other side of God knows where, and they snuck in on a crate yeah. somehow. So, did you guys ever think this was too graphic for Star Trek? Bodies hanging upside down. Not me. Nah, me neither. It's bodies hanging upside down. Yeah, it's a bit horrific, you know. It's t- well, slightly d- horrific, but how many times do they disintegrate somebody by shooting them? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, for me, it's, I think it's a matter of when you when you move up to a movie, you have an expectation that you're going to get a, a little bit more intensity than a TV show. For me, at least. I mean, I, I just think that's kind of one of the freedoms of a, of a movie that you have is, well, we can show a little more killing. And one of the things about the movie and expectations, you know, I think this movie is is great, but I think... A lot of people, like I said at the top, forget how much dialogue is in this movie and how little action there really is. I mean, the pace isn't really that fast. It's pretty. It's a pretty leisurely pace, you know? And yeah. Most people think of space battles. I'm like, there's like 10, 15 minutes of space battle, and that's but about that's it. that's because they're comparing it to Star Trek 1. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. That's all it is. It's, it's like, Star Trek 1. It's like comparing a hot rod to a go-kart, I guess. I mean, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, no, it's like comparing a toy uh, car. I'll be right back. Okay. Well, Mike's going to be right back. Well, about the motion picture, you know, I always thought that uh, it was, I mean, when I was growing up, I don't know how you felt, Damon, but I always thought it was, oh, it's the boring one, it's a slow one, but it's not something I appreciated until I got older, you know? It is a good movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a good movie for what it is. Once you understand what it is, that's the problem with Star Trek movies for the most part. Yeah, I mean, if you cut like half an hour out of that movie, it'd be much better. You know, it's just, it's a lot of fluff. Yeah. And did they ever think about why Terrell is so spacey or, you know, as a, as a captain and a commander, shouldn't they be able to deal with the situation a little better? You know? Well, they're still, they're still effed up in their head. Well, they don't know that yet. I mean, they don't know they have these slugs in their ears, you know? Yeah. But he was late. But I am, one of my big nitpicks is coming up. One of the, the, the largest moments in cinema history 
makes no sense. What? I don't know. Oh, You're going to have to point that out. Is it in the oh, next scene? It's coming up soon. He blames you for the death of his wife. Now, he says blame blames for the death of his wife. Is he referring to MacGyver's? Uh, yeah. Okay, I, would, I mean, no, but he never states the name explicitly. You know, he just says my beloved wife. He never says MacGyver's. Where's the transporter? But you can assume that that became his wife. Yeah. It was not my impression. I always thought that this transporter uh, console looked a little Klingon-esque, you know, the red. The unit's been left on. And the graphics look a little Klingon-y to me. Hey, I, you know... People back there bought escape time for Genesis with their lives. They bought escape time for Genesis with their lives. Well, apparently the biggest nitpick is coming up, Mike. My biggest nitpick. Yours. Yeah, I'm waiting for it. It's a huge one for me. Is it about the light in the Genesis cave? No. Okay. Is that the light in it? Because I already mentioned that. Okay. Well, I thought maybe the the light could have been, you know, the light that the matte painter was using when he's painting the picture of the Genesis cave. Nope. It it, it is one of the largest moments in cinema history, and it makes no sense. Okay. Hell, I'll talk about it now. When he's shouting Khan, 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 all that bullshit, yeah. he knows that they're fine and they will be in a couple hours. So why the fuck is he putting on that big of a show for Khan? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Unless it is for Khan. Well, I mean, he was upset because he got Genesis, right? I mean, he felt like he had snuck one past him, you know? I like this little coded thing. So yeah, hours would seem like days or something like that. You know, two hours by the book or two days by the book. Yeah. Now, is it because of Chekhov and Tyrell that they can monitor their transmission? Yeah. Um, because, that's what I was assuming. Because they're wearing those nifty little Dick Tracy com badges, right? On their wrists. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So why don't they use those throughout Starfleet? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you would think they had something cool like that. I want one of those. Now, I think it's interesting here also that uh, this is the first time that people are moving and talking during transport, I believe. Well, the first time in, in recorded Star Trek history? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because usually I think you're more frozen because it doesn't make any sense that you'd actually be talking while you're in mid-transport. Yeah. yeah. Um, or moving. Yeah, usually you would see yeah, the frame was, freeze and then they'd beam away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you're kind of frozen until you reassemble. At least that's the way it was originally. And it was mostly because that special effect is too hard to do. But here, you know, she's moving and talking and stuff. Okay. So it took, uh, it took a crew how many months to dig this out? Wouldn't they have just used uh, phasers or something? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's like to tunnel it out, really? You I did it by hand? Were they using, using pickaxes? <laughs> yeah, they must have been. Jeez. And you know, they really didn't do a very good job. Genesis, Not really. They used phasers. But why would it take them six months? Because they were late. I mean, it wouldn't take us six months with just the equipment that we have. Well, it took, it, it, you know, it did take uh, uh, Tim Robbins 20 years to dig through that, you know, tunnel, the wall in the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, but that was in the 60s. Yeah, that's true. And all he had was a pickaxe. He didn't have a pickaxe. Pick he had a, a miniature Miniature pickaxe, yeah. Yeah. It really shouldn't have taken that long to carve it out. No. So well, now he realizes that's his son. Yeah. Oops, sorry, I didn't mean to deck you there. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. What is, okay, um, with the continuity or whatever, I mean, did they ever, ever point out when Antonia came into the picture? Antonia, the girl on the horse in Generations. 
No, I'm not that I'm. I'm uh, she comes into the picture in generations. <laughs> That's it. She must have. <laughs> yeah. Did he sleep with her before or after Carol Marcus? You know. Oh, after. And why didn't they just say Carol Marcus? I mean, come on. Ron Moore wrote that movie. He should have known better. Because why would you write Carol Marcus? Because that's that's the love of his life. But she'd been dead for what? Seven years. Well, he was in the Nexus. He could bring back whoever he wanted. No, no, no. I mean, lucky that uh, that Savick knocked him over. Yeah. Yeah. You see, you see, Terrell's phaser is blinking just like McCoy's is. So yeah. McCoy set his phaser to kill when he beamed aboard the yep. station. No, he didn't set it to kill. He set it to disintegrate. Oh, yeah. disintegrate, yeah. Vaporize, yeah. Yeah, that's it's a much higher setting. And, uh, yeah, one okay, of the things... Okay, so wait, I lo- this is kind of interesting here. He says, kill Admiral Kirk. Mm-hmm. Now, he has trouble with it. Yeah. And then, you know, he's apps himself. It's difficult. Um, so, well, we'll, we'll get... So when Chekhov... He then kind of starts flipping out. And instead of like shooting himself or the thing killing him, he falls down and just crawls out. Yeah. Why doesn't that happen to Terrell? You know, how lucky that the person who has been on this before doesn't die horribly like the other mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, the nitpickers guide mentions that, well, maybe there wasn't a whole lot going on inside Chekhov's mind, <laughs> so it got bored and tried to find better pastures. Something like okay, that. Okay, and here. Okay, well, actually. Not, now, actually, right here, Kirk shoots the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, well, why? I mean, it, your whole thing is new life and new civilizations. You're going to kill this thing that just popped out of his ear. Actually, Gene Roddenberry had a problem with that. Oh, that he kills this little creature. Yeah, why don't they just bottle it up? It's yeah, not. It, it's not its fault. There's no malice. I yeah. thought it was in like a heat of passion, you know, because he hurt his friend. He, he shot a little <laughs> bug in a heat of passion. It's, it's like a That's mosquito. Kirk. It's like you. Stung my friend, you bastard. And I love this. Connie Bloodsucker. Yeah. You're have to do your own dirty work so now. he yeah. wanted Kirk to be killed, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so Kirk says, oh, you missed. You got to come down and kill me. And he goes, he, all of a sudden he switched. Look, I don't need to kill him. We'll leave him stranded, buried alive for all eternity. Isn't the Enterprise, from Khan's perspective, coming back you managed to kill just in a couple eventually? days? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he, he would Wouldn't they that. just beam? I mean, they have food. They yeah. have provisions. I'm leaving you buried alive till your ship comes back and gets you. It's going to be a horrible two days down there. You guys are going to yeah. turn into those people like an alive and start eating each other. <laughs> yeah, even from Khan's standpoint, he knows the Enterprise. And, and if not, how about a ship will eventually come back when they realize that the space station with the most powerful weapon in the universe is no longer responding? Neither is the ship we sent out there to check it out. Well, see, isn't this why so, he gets upset, Damon? Because he killed a uh, Jarrell, committed suicide because of Khan, and then Khan took the Genesis device. I mean, isn't that why he screams in rage? Well, he wants Khan to kill him, to come down here, and you know, basically Khan's getting away. But yeah, he knows that he's not trapped or buried alive or anything like that. It's just kind of like, I'm going to come get you in an hour. Right. Yeah, that's the thing, is why let out all this rage? Why even... Why even give away? Because this is another fucking blunder. Is Kirk dead? I don't know. Nobody's responding. Boom. Right there. You're better off. You don't need this conversation. Yeah. He does sell it, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And the fact that it echoes. Brilliant. Through space. Oh, here we go. This is. Look at that. 
it's orgasmic on his oh. face. Oh, God, that feels so good. <laughs> yeah. I just trapped you for six hours. And, into, and you know, watching this. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. Yeah, I'm not staying with these assholes. And like at this, why, why doesn't Kirk tell them now instead of waiting to the dramatic moment? Because when he, can say, he has to look cool. I don't like to lose. He likes Crunch. to. Spock, are you there? Because he knows that the one, uh, the no win scenario is going to come up in conversation. So he's going to use it as a, you know, he's going to look cool instead in front of everybody. Like, I'm sorry, everybody. We're not going to die here. I'm going to let you think this for a while because I don't want Khan to find out. Oh, wait, he can't find out. I, I would love. Check off to be going. What's everybody saying? I can't hear. You're all on the yeah. the bad ear. I can't hear on yeah, this ear. Yeah, you guys turn to my other side? Turn me over. Turn, <laughs> turn me around. So I, I do like hear. though because there is that kind of hint here that Kirk, when, he, when he's like, we have plenty of time, and he goes, do we have anything to eat? And McCoy's like, what the fuck? Yeah, he could have whispered he, in his ear. At this point, dude, Spock's coming back to get us in an hour. He could have whispered in his ear. Hey, it's all part of the plan. Yeah. Just go with it. Trust me. We thought this was just. I'm gonna fuck with McCoy too. Yeah, there really is no other point other than it just makes him look smart, I guess. Yeah, and he gets to have a nice moment after Savick asked him. It could be ego. You ten know, he months just wants in spacesuits. Ten months. It could be ego. He just wants to look good because he made yeah. that such a huge mistake earlier by not putting up the damn shields. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, see, Savick, I'm smart. Yeah. yeah. So you're smart enough to outwit the no-win situation, but you can't raise your shield when a ship is lying to you. No, because he's like, fuck the rules. I don't need that shit. Yeah. Actually, you know what? That's probably what got him in trouble. He yeah. cheated in the no-win scenario, and he was trying to cheat in that one. Ooh, you know, it all ties back together. Yeah. What I think about is the fact that Walter Cone He Koenig cheated at the video game that really had no meaning. And yeah. Constantly kill everybody he knows. Yeah. The thing that doesn't really There are always possibilities. Uh, that Walter Koenig had to lie there this whole time with his hand in his ear. Yeah, that's so sad. <laughs> Poor guy. As if the accent's not bad enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, for those of you that don't know, he doesn't actually have an accent. Yeah, you know, I was... Uh, this is one yeah, of the I few did times... what, I, what you wanted. I stayed away. Yeah. Why didn't you tell him? Yeah, why didn't you tell him? Oh, so he didn't, yeah. How can you ask me that? Because he, he deserves to know who his father is. Point. And this is one of the few times we actually get to see Kirk be vulnerable, at least so far. You know, later on in this, you know, the other movies we do, but you know, yeah, she wanted, she didn't want him chasing through the universe with his father. I don't want him to have a free will and choose what he wants. <laughs> what is this well, free will you speak? Part of, of this happens because Carol Marcus is a bad mother, but part of it also happens because. David Marcus is a fucking idiot. We learned that in the next movie. Well, yeah, because he is like his father. Well, yeah, not, he jumps to conclusions. I wouldn't say he's you know unintelligent. He, no, he changed the rules of the test. But yeah. he doesn't ask. He doesn't find out for himself. Okay, his mom isn't going to tell me. Well, let me take my uh, check my genetics and because I'm sure there's a database. And let me look up to see who else is a relative of me. Oh, look at this. There's a 99% chance that James T. Kirk is my father. Well, he's a dick. Yeah, I mean, they have private investigators and stuff like that here. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't they right. in the future, too? <laughs> Why not? Like the, it, but see, that's this. She wanted to raise him to be some hippie scientist instead of an ass kicker. And if she had, he would have not been stupid enough to try and take on an armed Klingon in the next movie. And get himself killed. Yeah. He probably would have at least lasted at least 10 more seconds. In well, yeah, this I fight. mean... If, he, if you're if you're more like Kirk, then you would figure out a way to like, you know, trick the Klingon or something. You're not going to beat the Klingon with a knife. Not when his friends have guns too. 
you're going to lose that scenario. Yeah. yeah so yeah, there's a no win scenario. Yeah. Right there. Well, yeah, but that, I, I do, that was, I that was a real like, test. That was a real test of character for David. Yeah. It's not, not the Kohayashi Maru. Yeah. Impulse power restored. But sorry. What were you saying? Excellent. Impulse power restored. How the fuck do these guys fix the ship? <laughs> well, they all studied up, you know? Sure. I mean, up they, they are they are super smart people. Yeah. I understand. But they their ship is damaged. Do they have parts? Where are the parts at? All the spare like, parts. Like seriously. I can understand an actual experienced Starship crew's crew being able to cobble together things and get it to work. But it's fifty people on a ship that's built for 250, 350 people. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did they fix it? How big is Regula? It's got to be the least size of a moon, our moon at least, or a little bigger. Okay, and where exactly is this cave? It's inside. Inside. So why is where's the gravity coming from? <laughs> well, the light? the light is one. Well, I was, maybe they dug a hole in the planet, in the side of the planet, so the sun could shine in, so they could get a nice view. Well, if there's well, a where's hole, the gravity coming from? Well, the gra- Well, if the if the if Regula is about the size of Earth, they would have Earth size Earth gravity, right? But I don't think it's the size of Earth. I mean, look at how Does it look small sm- that yeah, thing is. I suppose compared to it, it doesn't. It, that part doesn't matter. And don't they it, call it a moon? Where the hell is the light coming from? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because if you have cut a hole through, and let's say there's a force field just protecting it from the the outside of space, but that means you can shine a fucking sensor array inside, and you go, hey, look, there's Kirk right there. Well, why don't we just fire our phasers at it? giant rock in space uh, has got a jungle in the middle? Right. Sensors should be able to pick that shit up. Is this supposed to be the Garden of Eden? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's eating an apple. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So we find out he cheated, and this sets up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way. Oh, by the way, that test we were talking about, all this movie, it's complete bullshit, by the way. (laughs) I don't believe in the no-win scenario. I don't like to lose. Spock, you there? But it's just so Kirk, you know what I mean? It's perfect. And also, the communicators got bigger, too. Yeah. Well, they got cooler. It's it's a cool Kirk moment. I will not deny that. I don't like to lose. (laughs) See here, did you notice that they actually have somebody remove their jackets? They have a wardrobe guy. Right there. Excuse me, I'll take that for you. Why were you wearing this this whole time? I don't know. Because it's cold. You have this other fancy jacket. We have to change you back. Yeah. Well, you know, make sure they're there with our jackets. We don't want to have to, like, go into battle or something without our jackets on. Yeah, I mean, they do have Wait, did spaces. They cl- is, did they clean Kirk's? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they did. Wow, so, like, oh, let's uh, let's clean the ca- the blood off the captain's shirt for uh Well, they, they must have a dry cleaning service. I mean, they do have, you know, a space shanner in the beginning of the movie. So yeah. Yeah. I, I will give the... There really shouldn't be a reason why he has blood on his costume after that. Maybe that's why they changed him. You mean blood after the scene where Scott's right. nephew dies? Right. Once there's blood on there, you know, once you have a moment, oh, well, let, I'm going to take this off so you guys can clean this up or I can get a different one. Sure. I'll, wear, I'll wear this goofy jacket. Oh, well, why are you wearing that, Savic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could have just buttoned up his thing and it would have covered the blood either way. I mean, I would think Uh-oh. that he wouldn't have time to worry about that kind of thing with this guy coming after him, trying to kill him. She can still yeah. outrun us and outgun us. 
Yeah, uh, regular doesn't look that big, so the gravity is probably a little, a little off. It, it'd probably be like one sixth gravity, you know, like, like on the moon. Now, one thing that is interesting, um, just a, a quick story is back uh, when I, I was younger, we played the Star Trek role playing game, and one of the guys who was on the uh, who was playing it. You could make specialties for your character, and he made his specialty. He, his character was an expert on Captain Kirk, so he could sort of roll against a what would Kirk do in this scenario sort of thing, and he thought that would help his character. And then we watched this movie, and we're like, well, actually, whenever there's a problem, Kirk just goes Spock situation, and Spock basically tells him what to do. He's like, uh, Matara Nebula, let's go to the Matara Nebula. That's Kirk's secret, Spock. Yes. So, so it's like you're an expert on, on, on Kirk's career. What would Kirk do in this situation? He would ask Spock what to do. Here's another thing from the nitpickers guide. In the 23rd century, why do they have to manually yeah. lift the grates for the torpedo? <laughs> yeah. And this is this is, this is one of the most badass montage scenes. You know, they, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is, is it's Nicholas Meyer sacrifices a lot of logic to, to kind of drive home some of the nautical things and some of the, uh, the themes going in. That it's like you know what it doesn't make any sense, but in a in a move in the submarine movies he's trying to emulate. That's what they do. Okay, wait a second. This dude's got like a little clipboard in his hand back there in the background. It looks like he was right. It looks like he was doing something. He was busy, right? If they're so spread thin on this ship, why are they all standing around on the bridge? Shouldn't they be busy doing stuff, trying to exactly. run the ship? Yeah. There, there would be no way that fifty yeah. people could could actually run that ship. I don't care what anybody says. These special effects still look pretty damn good. They, yeah, I mean, they, they did a fantastic job on this end battle. Well, people they, say... Actually, yeah. all, most of the effects that they did were good. It's just that they had to reuse other ones. Now, is it... Uh, I know this is the same looking effect that they use in Best of Both Worlds. Do they refer to it as the Matara Nebula in Best of Both Worlds? You know, where they hide from the board? Because it looks uh, the same. Leave, though. Well, because the Nebula goes away. Yeah. The Nebula was not there in Star Trek Three. Oh, yeah. It's just called the Mutara Sector. Oh, yeah. Mutara Sector restricted. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there's a... a yeah, it's hard to tell how far away they are from the Nebula. Well, it couldn't be that far because they're moving at, like, less than impulse, right? So yeah. they got to be pretty dang close. That's why I always figured that... Well, that maybe but it could have you, been regular. That but you also right. forget how fast impulse is. <laughs> so that's that's the the, the thing because you think in terms of warm yeah, speed being faster than light, which is all cool. But half of light speed is incredibly fast. You can go right, incredibly far. But if you're talking far. about two systems, I mean, the closest system to us is four light years. Mm -hmm. So at impulse you're speed, you're going to take two years to get there. Right. So if they're going to, so so the nebula can't be farther than. Oh, it's not a, a, a light. It has to be in the same yeah. same solar system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's in the same solar system. Definitely. Well, yeah, it certainly seems like the Genesis planet. And again, we'll we'll see. Maybe maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. Oh yeah, I like that. It's like you know, fuck this. We're gonna be Kirk. Yeah. And I love the fact that we've made it this far and we haven't mentioned his chest. And according to Nick yeah. Meyer, it's real. <laughs> It's a real chest. It's his real chest. That's what I'm just saying. Let's just get that out of that. Let's clear the air. Then <laughs> right there. That's, that's his real why chest. Doesn't mention it. There's another thing we have to clear the air is, um, what's with Khan's haircut? I mean, he's on the planet. He gets bangs. Yeah, that's and how they well, do things down there and a little. Well, because you know, in, in, in space seed, in space seed, he had his 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 he had he had a ponytail. Hair. Yeah, but it was black, dark hair, right? You know, and right. so here it's gray and long. I don't know why he would have bangs other than it just looks yeah. cool. 
<laughs> like, I don't know. All of a sudden, he switches from a fairly utilitarian to kind of what you know, puffy. Well, a lot of time went by. It's the '80s. That was big, but mostly with heavy metal chicks. That's totally who we we should have totally asked Chris Wood to be on this one. Yeah, I mean, look how it's kind of like combed back on the sides and then like brought forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's a little mulletesque almost too. A little bit, a little hot, kind of hockey hairish. But uh, yeah. A little bit. I, I always did like the little kind of broken Federation Wait, emblem. Oh, oh, that he's wearing? Exactly. Yeah. Not yeah, that he snagged off of someone, I guess. Is that is that like from someone's belt? That's what I always kind of thought. Like, he must have ripped that off was of like, something. Dude, you ripped off a dude's belt buckle? What the fuck is that? No, no, he made that. <laughs> he made it out of... Yeah. Now, see, this we, is interesting here because the two ships are not level. Nope. Right. <laughs> so at some point, they get level. Well, because right. the, the you're going to see the Enterprise sink down here in a second. Yeah, Enterprise goes down. Yeah, and then Enterprise comes back up. Enterprise moves up and down. Up the what is that? The y-axis. You know, mm. That you know, yeah. I, I, it all comes from that line that's coming up. He shows a, a two-dimensional thinking. Right. Um, because yeah, Khan wouldn't be aware of moving in three dimensions because it's from the past where we don't have ships that move through the air and fight maybe mm-hmm. yeah right you know, again if he's so fucking smart he can't figure out up and down and even if they're supposed to be like submarines there's up and you know there's up and down yeah. in the water yeah <laughs> but like, still why would he assume he's fighting on land and why doesn't Kirk make that assumption he's thinking two dimensionally isn't he until Spock actually yeah. says that it's like, oh, we can go up and down in space. I forgot. And then it's like, if that if that's the case, why do they come back up? Can't the phasers shoot up? Yeah. Just go down and shoot up. How about how about this this lovely thing? Why is it that they're facing each other at the level, like the top of the ship and the top of the ship? Yeah. It, it's space. They don't have to face each other like that at all. Yeah, that makes no sense. None. Except that you don't get this cool, hey, we almost collide thing. Hey, wait, it looked like one was at, I mean, are they just sort of spinning around in circles? Yeah, yeah I guess. It seems that way. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of clueless as to what direction they're going. They have no sensors, I mean, other than just yeah. the eyes, right? So, I mean, I love the way these two ships attack each other. It's very nautical, oh, yeah. like the way cannons would shoot off of old sailing ships, you know? It's, it's, it's really neat. So if this was supposed to be his son, yeah, this scene, this scene would, I guess, make more dramatic sense, even though, yeah. I yeah. Mean, it, it, it's not in the movie. You would just assume, oh, they're really good friends, sure. Um, and certainly, like, a first in command. Well, here's a new pick, for me, anyway. Um, that Scotty or Kirk would have actually made the order, okay, well, someone's got to go in there and fix it, so someone's got to die. Yeah. They made that decision in the Next Generation episode of thine own self i think where in order to pass the bridge test troy had to let Jordy go into a conduit filled with radiation to repair something right right so they would have made that same decision here right yeah don't you think yeah so this situation yeah. would have happened they would have been able to warp out of there a long time ago you've been hey scotty um send uh, your nephew oh i'm sorry he's Although dead. I, send somebody I else at in one there. point <laughs> well they do say something about no, n- nothing human can survive in there or something right. And so maybe it, a, a human couldn't have lasted as long. Even with but a suit just, on, like, you would think? Where, yeah, where, how about a radiation suit? Could be an impulse well, yeah, I know? mean, even with a suit, if it's not going to kill you immediately, I mean, you can still do something before you die, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, why does it have to be the first officer? <laughs> right. Yeah, it would have been somebody. Because, because he didn't want to be on this uh, in this franchise nice anymore. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he wanted a cool death scene, yeah. Two-dimensional thinking. Two-dimensional thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
He's like, See, oh yeah, I forgot oh, about yeah. that. <laughs> I got him now. <laughs> you saved my ass again, Spock. I'm always disappointed that the Enterprise never fights something upside down. Mm, it would look kind of goofy. I mean, it would make sense in space, yeah. but it would look kind of no, it, it, it looks goofy. Although in the new movie, there's, you know, there's a lot more movement in the ships. Yeah, there is. But, well, the Narada isn't, it doesn't have a up or down, if that makes any sense. It's yeah. a it's a, a tentacle ship. So you you don't really have a this is the top and that's the bottom, but these ships all have a top and a bottom. Yeah. And, and they always face each other with both their tops up and both their bottom. Like, it's just the way it works. But yeah. in space, that's not how... Well, why would they even be approaching on the same level? Why wouldn't one be coming up from below, basically? Below... Uh, you know, Above or at any... Any number of angles, yeah. Like yeah. here, why does it have to creep up behind? Yeah, because it looks turn. cool. Well, yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know. Oh, I'm not just talking about this movie. I'm talking about it all. Yeah, of a lot. Movie. See, that's a lot of what what we're talking about here are things that just run through Star Trek and run through science sure. fiction, and yeah, it it it, it is actual two dimensional thinking right. because. If you if you are well, actually I mean, thinking it, and in that, the rationale becomes the same reason why we hear things blowing up. Yeah. No, we we actually shouldn't hear that. You're right. Yeah. But I'm not I, going to nitpick that. At least we see some of the crew around the ship. So at least they were doing something. Seeing the engineering, yeah. they weren't just standing around. Oh yeah, we've got a job to do here. We got vengeance on our on our mind. Except for that guy with the clipboard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You should get a screenshot of that, Mike. That should be the, <laughs> the, the actual picture of this episode. And, of course, before. you know, the way that the ship is listing here, Yeah, uh, that also doesn't happen in space. No. Well, it could list. Why not? It, could just, it, would, well, just keep, it, it would just keep it, turning, right? Well, no, because in, in space, it just even one thruster is going to move forward. There's no resistance. Right. Well, I mean, if you, with one thruster, the ship could still, you know what I mean, right? I mean, couldn't it still be off balance? No, in yes. space. You only need that for aerodynamics. Yeah. Okay. It would just moves in a straight line. If if you're pushing in one direction. Uh, yeah, he got messed up here. Yeah, a little bit. No, he didn't. He's fine. Yeah, he could still be okay. Maybe. I love this uh, with the Genesis uh, device. Why is the Genesis device the seconds? Why are they faster seconds? Why don't they use regular seconds? You ever think about that? I don't know. Why is the why is the device on the fucking bridge? How <laughs> about that? Yeah. Well, they brought it up there just in case, you know. Just in case. And then I like how basically, so you activate this thing by just like twisting some knobs. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Doesn't it have a like a remote control? Is that how they would have to set it off? Well, they have a button for everything else. Why wouldn't they just have a button for that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, like this complicated procedure. I mean, it's like two keys turning at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then he pushes, he turns it. Mm-hmm. He just turns wow. it, yeah. He didn't turn it. Did oh. you notice that? It doesn't move at all. Oh, it looked <laughs> like it. Oh, no, it did. It does. The inside of it, you can see a little bit. I think it's just his hand moving on it, on the outer edge. Oh, oh wait, that, that one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but those other ones were not moving. Well, he was, yeah, he was play-acting there a little bit. And let me stop. To quote some Moby Dick, well, he's gonna do I some, had that with me. He's gonna do some more. <laughs> it's brilliant. Oh no, 
you would think that he would have actually read Moby Dick forever ago. You know, I love that, uh, you know, when the thing comes up, it just like this light comes up, it just says commit, mm-hmm. and it's a backlit sign. That means that's that's the only thing it says. Commit, yeah. Commit or not. It should have just, said, it should have just said, oh, shit. Oh, what? What lava? It's the Genesis way. On his science station, there on his science that, console, there was just a, like lava there. Well, you mean like yeah, the blinking? There's a lot of weird. The blinking lights up there in, in orange. Not the blinking lights. The the blue thing that he's looking at now was red and it looked like a lava flow. Uh, maybe it could have been some part of the nebula he was looking at. I love how David has his nice sweater tied around his neck. Yeah, very preppy. He's so, he's so fashionable. That's why he gets stabbed in the gut. Let me go sacrifice my life to go save the ship instead and of sending in one of these cadets. Why does Kirk never notice that Spock is not at his station? Do you ever think about that? I, I know. We're, we're in the middle of a crisis, and my first officer just gets up and leaves. And it's like, yeah. now Spock? Well, rephrase that. The first officer that I always ask for yeah. advice is gone. Spock, Spock. I don't know what to do next. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of moments when they're just sitting on the bridge. You know, time from my mark when everybody's looking around at each other. Don't you think yeah, you I mean, over there? Couldn't you ju- shouldn't you just say, hey, I'm going to go do this? Right. Just, I'll, and, and especially I'm, like yeah. McCoy's like, no, you can't do it. Uh, you'll die. Mm-hmm. We're all going to die otherwise. Are you out of your fucking mind? No human well, I do like the fact that McCoy does come to that defense. You know, I'm not letting you go in there. I don't care if you are a green-blooded son of a bitch. Well, right, but it's like, if you don't go in there, we're all going to die. If you go in there, you're going to die. These are the many away the needs of the few. Doesn't he know logic either? Well, I don't think that he. Although I do love this. Sorry, Doctor. I have no time Sorry, to discuss this logic. Uh, is this the insert shot that they did in later when he puts his yeah. hand on his face? Remember? Wait. Did, Remember. Here we go. There he goes. Didn't exist beforehand. Just to remind us that there's radiation. I love it. Yeah. Do warning. Do not enter. Allow two hours. It said allow two hours before something on the sign. I, I missed it. I can't read backwards. Anymore. And again, radiation suit. He's wearing one. He's always wearing it. Yeah. This scene I have seen reenacted by Chad Randall and Werner Wilmer a uh, hundred times, drunk off their ass at Chad's house. Hey, look, he's at Spock Station, isn't he? Two minutes. Yeah. yeah. He should notice oh, there's nobody there. <laughs> What's happening? Wow, he doesn't notice. He doesn't notice that he's gone. Yeah. Spock, you turned invisible. You're wearing Harry Potter's cloak for a second there. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is so a great. I pop this top off and. Fiddle around. Fiddle around a little bit. Uh, let's see here. I can't see anything, so let's move the thing over there. And never. Oh, no, it's radiation. It's fried out my eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, like, it, if it's supposed no, to be those cold. Vulcans have that uh, inner lid. Oh, that's right, they do. They have an inner lid? Yeah, yeah oh, they have an inner eyelid. That, that, uh, that, was from, uh, that was from uh, the original series. Oh, it's in TOS. Spock went blind or something like that. They months. have an inner Dead eyelid months. because of all the sand and crap that's on Vulcan. Yeah, like uh, yeah. Don't think he would have intensely. So do you think David would have sat down in his chair? Well, Spock's gone. I guess I better sit down. Unless I want to look dramatic here. Yeah, he could have sat there. Then he would have noticed he was gone. I love David. Look at David. No, nope. the head shake. Nope, not gonna make it. <laughs> this is one of the great music cues, but no, there's plenty yeah. about that, but. I mean, the fact that he gets... I mean, I wish I would have uh, some great one-liners to say to somebody like this when I uh, passed on, but I don't think I could ever do the, the justice that Ricardo Montalban does here. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I wish I met him in person. Uh, I didn't, unfortunately, when I had him autograph my DVD. My brother did, but uh, he said he was quite magnificent even in person. You know, I, I, that's there's very few Star Trek people other than uh, Mr. Shatner himself that aren't really nice and grateful sure, to and actually have what they have because of Star Trek. Really, Shat? Oh, yeah. Almost all of them are, are really, really nice. I've met. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah I've always been afraid that they... Now, see, immediately birds. the nebula's gone. Yeah, see? Yeah, you're right. What, did it suck it all in or something? It, I, I guess. Know. And then it's got all this stuff going out, and now this weird halo starts yeah. forming of the Genesis wave. And they're escaping it. Do they explain what the difference is between the Genesis wave and just the Genesis torpedo itself? I mean... As the torpedo goes off on that demonstration we saw, is that what the wave becomes? At the end, you know, when it's going over that place, is that yeah. the wave? Okay, so it's just. So yeah, okay. they never really identify where. What, what do we see? No, are we look, the... that's the focal point of where the wave is. If you look, there's the outer edges, and everything's coming together. It's the nebula. Okay. Thank you. Engine room. Oh my god! Yeah, thing. now he figures out well done, that Scotty. Spock is gone. Uh, yeah, it takes well a while. Well done, Scotty. Well, nobody notices that he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's nobody. Oh. You know, I mean, don't you think even Savick would look right. over just to see the other Vulcan on the bridge? It's like, oh, this is pretty scary shit, isn't it? It's glad we're not showing Savick any emotion, right? Oh, you're not there. But uh, yeah, it took him a while to notice. Yeah. See, now it's a planet. Yeah, so that's the planet forming. Forming. Yeah, that's the planet forming. It, it's from the nebula. This is a brilliant piece of music that wasn't available for the longest time. I love this. It's run down to engineering and a nitpick here. Why are they all standing around? Yeah. What, are they, what are they looking Are they just looking at Spock dying? It's like, man, glad we're not in there. Uh, how about somebody put on a radiation suit and go in and get him? Yeah, or somebody no. stick a well, pole no, in there. The <laughs> you know? You'll float the whole compartment. He's dead already. Yeah, you'll float that's, the whole That's really the, poor design, then. Yeah. But the, no, actually, the design, if you read it, it said give two hours if you open that. Yeah, I mean, they would have, like, an inner door and an outer door or something like that. Is that what you're yeah, thinking? Yeah, they should. They yeah, should. Well, of course. But you wouldn't have or this cool death suit. radiation suits. Or suits. You know, I read that Shatner, in the development process, wanted this to be not a see-through plexiglass, but they would, they would be silhouettes. Spock! Oh, that would actually be even better. You think? I don't know. Oh, would, yeah. The it, fact that they can't actually, he can't actually share the last moment visually with his best friend in the world. I don't know if it I, visually would have worked, but it sounds interesting, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't I, know it, if it would have worked, but I'd yeah. I'd be curious as to how they would have shot it, but it would, it would have been interesting and it would have been more painful. And I think that's, you know, probably yeah. why they didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, but, I can imagine the angles would have been the same. It would just be silhouettes instead of actually seeing them. But Yeah. And, and, and the pain, like the fact that he can only see a silhouette of Spock. He, and hearing that he's dying, he hears that he's dying, and he can't even see him. He can't even yeah. help him. Yeah, and we see the silhouette of the you know live long and prosper. But hands that doesn't on, give yeah. the audience the satisfaction. No, that's why of, it's changed. Of giving them a final moment. And again, we have a callback to the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, the whole life and death thing was laid on pretty thick throughout the whole movie. I mean, now this is a Kobayashi Maru. Not mm-hmm. the little pansy video game they play at Starfleet Academy. Well, he, yeah, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, he did say, you know, I never took the test until now. So I guess in this continuity, he didn't write it, I guess. Well, just because you wrote it doesn't mean you took it. Well, don't you think he would have had to take it if he's writing it, you know, to test it out? 
No. You would think. I mean, it would make sense. And it certainly doesn't. And you think that when all of this talk about the Kobayashi Maru came up, at some point somebody said, well, Spock wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, you would think, yeah. You know, the the makeup, do you think it really holds up? I mean, it's easier to see the imperfections with the DVD, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I don't expect... Uh, you know, modern level of, of makeup and something like this. But yeah, it is it is certainly worse than I remember it. You know, when I think of uh, people with radiation sickness, you know, I think of like K-19 or Fat Man and Little Boy, you know. Uh, do you guys recall that movie? Fat yeah. Man and Little Boy? Yeah. Well, there's a scene where it's taking place in Los Alamos and they're experimenting and uh, um, uh, what's his name? John Cusack gets... Uh, you know, a really high doses of radiation and his body just completely falls apart and he doesn't look at all human anymore almost. Oh. But here, you know, Spock still looks pretty human. Well, Vulcan anyway. It's because of his Vulcan physiology. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, is wait, it... Isn't that symbol from uh, Legend of Zelda? Yeah, it was. Oh, the, the Triforce? Yeah, it was the Triforce. The Triforce killed Spock. I had no idea. You know, and I did notice for the longest time that Scotty plays the bagpipes. That's yeah, so funny. I can't believe I never noticed... Now, you never noticed it was Scotty playing the, the bagpipes? Well, I mean, now I know. But, like, as a kid, I just never saw him playing the bagpipes. I just always looked somewhere else on the screen or something like that. Yet I just never noticed. That in the midst of our sorrow, now, is it proper to just shoot the body into space? Well, it's tradition, right? It. A world that well, I, I mean, is, it is naval it. tradition, but it is not tradition in Starfleet. Well, but, I mean, so if you're... If you're child is in the Navy, they're not going to bring the body back? Well, not now, but we're talking... No, but even now? Oh, now they do, yeah. So that's the thing, is, is it's like most, like, ultimately, Savick's, or, or Savick, uh, Spock's father, um, what's his name? Sarek is right when he's like, um, why didn't you bring my son's body back to me? Right. Why did you shoot it off into space? I mean, that's really, it's kind of like, well, because that's the only way we could possibly get a sequel. Well, and here, yeah. is she crying? Yeah, she's, yeah crying. she's crying. She's crying majorly crying. Yeah, it's very unvulcan. And, like, I'm going to wear my sexy hair now. Yeah, she and she's at actually... My, at the funeral of my mentor. Noticeably upset. And it's because she was getting ready to audition for Cheers, so she wanted her hair down. But, uh... And not, and not just noticeably upset. Like, super noticeably upset. Like, when you think of it, if she's just full Vulcan... That is a full-on breakdown for a Yeah, Vulcan. That, that's not really possible. Right. Well, and that's why, and I like, because in the idea of her being a half Romulan, that was why Spock sponsored her. Because he understood going through Starfleet, you know, half Vulcan is bad enough, but when the other half is Romulan, who are very passionate people, yeah. um, you know, that's going to be problematic. Wow. And yeah, now here's a star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there must have been... Right. Quite a distance away. Well, you got to imagine it's, you know, yeah. We don't. They're not really very clear as to how everything fits together. No, they're they're a little vague. I mean, that's why we're making all these suppositions. Is that a bottle of champagne next to him? Mm, yeah, yep. it looks like it. <laughs> I mean, he didn't know he was going into this situation. I mean, I, I guess he thought McCoy and he would share a bottle of bubbly later, and he broke his glasses. Well, the ones that he's going to sell in a couple of movies. And even like going back to that, I mean to intrude. it's like they don't have contact lenses in the 23rd century. They don't have LASIK. Yeah. Well, how convenient. He's not, he's allergic to Retinax 5 
What about rednecks one through four? I poured myself a drink. Well, yeah, and now why we, is we the need co- to give them granny glasses? And the Kobayashi Maru is a Mark IV simulator. What are the other three marks like? You ever think about yeah. that? I don't know. There's a lot of Mark IVs. Wasn't the torpedo a Mark IV? It's a Mark VI. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a Mark VI torpedo. That's what I thought. Well, we'll find out. Who the somewhere. hell is Mark? Yeah. I don't know, but he's got his name on a lot of different things. Seriously. I haven't faced death. I've cheated death. And well, here Kirk learns that uh, he he shouldn't have cheated. Of course, doesn't he just get his dead friend back? Yeah. Well, at you would, the you would cost think of his son. You would think he wouldn't have to go through all this to learn that lesson that cheating is, is bad. Well, <laughs> at the cost of a son that he had no real connection right. to. I get my old buddy and first officer back. But good words. Well, you know, I, I lost a son I just met. Yeah, I mean, it's completely flipped. I mean, here he loses his best friend, gains his son. The next movie, he gets his best friend back, loses his son. It's completely reversed. Yeah, and then he loses his ship, and yeah. then the next movie he gets a better one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't suck to be Jim Kirk. Yeah, he's he's faced death. Yeah. He's still cheating. Is that what you're He cheats death when he goes to the nebula. Now he'll never die. The oh, Nexus. Oh, the Nexus. Nexus, whatever. Yeah, I, I still want to do a Star Trek Four one and where I just tear it apart. I hate that movie. Proud. You do and really, Brian. Do you do really hate it or you just not like it? Oh, I, 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 I really don't like it. I don't hate it, hate it. Like, I can still watch it, but I, it... it well, I, they, I, I can assume you don't have as much, you know, venom for that as you do as Insurrection, right? I actually have more for that. For Insurrection? No, for oh, Star Trek Four. Really? In- Insurrection doesn't inspire me with venom. It's, it bores me. It, it, yeah. yeah, it puts me to sleep. I mean, it's a fine movie. It's just kind of not interesting. Yeah. You know, actually, it's pretty good in like 20-minute, half-hour increments. And then I get kind of bored. Mm. Yeah, but Star Trek Four to me is like I still wish they would have played it as a period piece. Oh yeah, so they are picking up the crew of the Reliant. Yeah, all is well. All is well, except my friend's dead. Yeah, he fired him into space. Well, they you know back in the days of Horatio Hornblower, which is what. You know, Captain Kirk was, you know, based off of. I guess that was what they did, you know. They didn't start the troopers, too. You know, they released Dizzy out into space. I mean, that's... I mean, I wouldn't call it an uncommon thing to do. I mean, I I wouldn't say it's even the regulation in the 23rd century, but I think that maybe he did intend on going back and picking him up, you know, but he wanted to give him a good send-off. But they really wouldn't have had any idea that... And actually, you know, the way it was written... Uh, they didn't have the little soft landing thing. No, you know, originally that was that was added later. That was not uh, something Meyer wanted to do. When you really think about it, it got lucky it landed on the planet because if you fire a torpedo into space, it just keeps going. Well, even then, well, if it went to the planet, it probably would have burned up in the atmosphere, right? Yeah, if, but it was well, still in flux, so they didn't. But know when a, t- a photon torpedo looks like it's converted into energy, doesn't it? I mean, it's, uh, no, it's no, basically it's, a glowing ball of light. It, it actually has a, a it, it's got a glowing ball, but it actually is something. There's something physically hitting with photon torpedoes and quantum torpedoes, for that matter. Phasers are just energy. I don't know why I know that. I don't know, but I do know yeah, that. Yeah, so this that, is all added. Yeah, well, I do know that McCoy said something about uh, he's not dead as long as we remember him. I know that they use that in Seinfeld. Yeah, that was a, that was a good callback, Seinfeld. Did. But this is added, right? And I don't think Nick Meyer wanted this to be there. No, he didn't. I remember like 
when, when this came out, there was a lot of, like, I, th- I think I see him in the background there. I think I saw a shape. It looks like Spock. He's alive. Well, I mean, I wish I, I could have seen this in the theater you know, in its initial run. I, I'm not old enough, unfortunately. But. Well, uh, I could have seen it, but I was uh, five. Mark, yeah, <laughs> there it is. Mark six. I, I saw it opening night. Wow. I used to touch that every day. That's still crazy to me. I used to touch that photon torpedo on a daily basis. Did you get to lie in it and whatnot? No, I never got to lie in it because it was strapped closed by the time I started working there. Oh, okay. And yes, it did open up. As a coda here, this is this is pretty amazing. Spock delivers okay, so yeah. brilliantly. These are the continuing. It's a nice pan over though, but uh, yeah, him doing this that we've only heard Kirk do. You know, it's just this right. is nice. Really, it's, it's really mix. touching. To explore, it's a mix. It's a mix of of what of the old one and next gen. Oh, I see. Well, because yeah, they don't say um, five year mission. Oh, well, they did, right. but he does say no man, as right. opposed to yeah, yeah, no, no one. It says continuing mission, which is what you know Picard says. All right, well, that was Star Trek too. Yeah, oh yeah, that was, we, we we tore it apart as best we could. And, and I think I love this movie. And, and I think we were very respectful of it. We're obviously Star Trek lovers, but um, yeah, I think uh, I think. And, and ultimately, though, I think. I mean, we were just talking about the bad stuff, and even we had to stop and go, this is fucking awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, during that whole scene, we're like, oh, this is just kick-ass. I mean, come on. And, and most of the nitpicks are, uh, you know, things that that they just didn't feel were, were necessary. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of conveniences, but... And they, they aren't they, necessary because it's still a good movie. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's not... emotions and these movements and a lot of it is the type of things that happen in Star Trek stories and and if you don't like that then you're not a Star Trek fan so you don't watch them right but uh, yeah this was this this actually was fun I, I don't feel as bad about saying things about it uh, as, as I thought I would <laughs> you finally had I'm glad uh, you finally had the opportunity to get this all off your chest because yes. you, know, you and I have been exchanging emails for a while <laughs> beforehand and you would constantly bring up like what about that scene on the bridge when ah, I can't believe it? You know, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I just I had no, I never thought about it. I'm like, man, he's got a lot to say about this. You know, honestly, this this all did start uh, from a uh, a discussion with uh, with Michael Felsher uh, about Star Trek Three when he said, and he actually brought this up in the commentary that, that we recorded. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the uh, Genesis planet is such an important deal, why do they only send? Uh, just this one vessel and there's no you know why is why are there not a hundred ships guarding this planet mm-hmm. and in that movie I think they do kind of explain it a little bit in, in terms of it's it's just forbidden and it's contested you know maybe it's maybe actually this is doesn't occur in Federation space maybe this is uncharted or unclaimed space or something like that who knows but there's at least a little implication in that and I was like well, wait a minute why wouldn't they have people the, why wouldn't they have that many people surrounding the uh, the regular space station and then after I thought about it, I was like, well, you know, that, that, that's true. Why would they do that? And you start looking at the movie and you're going, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense either. And if that doesn't make, like, I always had a problem with, like, Kirk was supposed to raise the shields. This is all his fault. Right. <laughs> this is not good. But, but yeah, it's still, and the thing is, a great movie is great because we don't care about any of that stuff when we're watching. We're just going, oh, my God, this is awesome. Right. So yeah, everything can be picked apart very yeah. easily. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's like one of the things that, that actually I, I I do like about your show is you know certainly all the commentaries that I've been a part of, and I've been on been ones that were about movies that are generally despised by people, but there's still good stuff in all of those. You know, yeah. there's good stuff in Batman and Robin from, to some extent. I mean, there's fun <laughs> things about it, mm-hmm. and and Revenge of the Sith, and uh, and really all but a few really really truly horrible movies have have something worth it mm-hmm. um just as even great movies have things that are like well we're just gonna we could try to explain this better but that's not important to what we're trying to do we're trying to entertain we're trying to well communicate something else you know people love star trek 09 but you know there's a lot of convenience oh, yeah. in that movie that movie that that's that's just like this i mean there's there's so many things you just have to accept so that the movie moves forward. And most Star Trek movies seem to do that. To the point where it's like, that's almost Star Trek's thing. Yeah. <laughs> the know. best ones do it. It's just like bad sets. You know? Yeah. <laughs> paper mache rock and, and contrived plot conveniences are the heart of every story. All those paper mache rocks are just so much fun, you know? <laughs> but um, yeah. as we wrap up the credits here, um, you know, we did. I think we were very, you were very respectful. Like I said, this was both of you were, but this was kind of Mike's kind of idea from from the start. And he was very respectful. He was worried he wasn't gonna, he was gonna come off like a jackass. But I think you were quite respectful of the movie, the fact that you still love it. But there's a lot I of things. There's still a lot of things you want to point out. And both of you were very respectful. And I hope I was too. And I love this film. Whether you consider this to be your favorite or what, I mean, everybody's favorite Star Trek movie varies. You know, mileage may vary, but. I, I think that um, it still holds up, and it's fun to nitpick. I mean, Trekkers love to do this. It's fun. I mean, they did write whole books about this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? and, so. and what, what's amazing to me is, is one, I, 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 I just watched this movie now. I spent the last two hours watching it, and I, I watched it again within the last couple of days. And that's probably got to be like my 30th time or something. I mean, I still keep watching this movie. This is one that I do just pop in. Like you know, I haven't seen that. I want to check that out. I just saw it a year ago when it played uh, at a local uh, sort of revival theater in, in seventy millimeter. Oh, I wish I could have been there. That would have been was, nice. It, actually, you don't because it was summer and it was ridiculously hot in a very very old movie theater that didn't have good air conditioning. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that's the end of this thing. <laughs> yep. It's, it's got to be because see, there there goes the Paramount logo. Yeah, yep. yeah, the movie just ended. So I just want to thank everybody for sticking with us and allowing us to nitpick. Uh, one of the greatest Star Trek films in the Star Trek canon, and um, it was a real pleasure to have what Mike. What can we tear up next? <laughs> Star Trek 09. a motion picture. If we can, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just want to thank Star Trek Six, baby. Oh, we did that already. Yeah, he did. A, they did a Trek Six one. Yeah, I know. Where well, there was there was some there was a little bit of bashing there, but mostly love. But, you know, mm-hmm. Damon, you want to do a four? I'll do a four. Although I like four, I like it a lot. Well, then, yeah, when a was lot. the last time you watched it? Uh, it's actually been with, I mean, beginning to end, it's been a while, but I watch chunks of it. See, I like, I like the humor and a lot of stuff you don't like about it. I, I don't mind the humor. I, I, I just, the fact that it's touted as anyway, this well, is save over. It, save it for the Star Trek <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I just want to thank both you guys for coming on and, uh, letting me do uh, this commentary with you, inviting me to it. So uh, thanks. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah. yeah thanks and, for being on. And thank yeah, you. I mean, you're, you're the. The commentaries are, are, are your thing, so uh, we uh, we always, I feel that like, well, Damon, you do the, the Batman ones, 
But uh, movie stuff, uh, you know, we've we've done these on your show. So when we think of commentary, we think of you. Well, thanks, and be sure to check out uh, Geek Fights at uh, geekfights.net. And uh, you're still doing Into the Batcave, right? Nope. Oh, you stopped doing that. Yep. Well, you still have them available, though. I assume so. You can still check that out. I guess. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. If they're still available. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. We should look into that. We should take a look into that. But yeah, check they're out. They're still on iTunes, so I, I'm assuming they're still there. Well, you can find us at the Solisminions, uh, dot Lipson dot com, or and uh, of course you can find Geek Fights at geekfights.net dot net. And they uh, they've recently done over 100 episodes, and they're still rocking and rolling. So be sure to check it out. They got a lot of cool topics and a lot of cool Star Trek stuff too. You know. Best mediocre Trek was a recent favorite of mine, so be sure to check that one out. It's pretty, it's pretty dang funny. I mean, what is the most Thanks average episode? I don't know. But uh, all right, uh, this is Josh, and I'm signing off. Good night. Bitches. <laughs>